0: Order, we have a roll call, please.
1: President Paulson?
0: Aye. Here? Vice President Rivera? Here.
1: mr. Jeremy? Here. mr. Maxwell? Here. Commissioner Stacy? Here. And you have a quorum.
0: Thank you. So, before calling um, the first item, I'd like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledged that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethno-historic territory of the Muwekwa Ohlone Tribe and other familiar descendants of the historically federally recognized Mission San Jose Verona Band of Alameda County. Excuse me. The SFPUC also recognizes that every citizen residing within the Greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and occupation of the Muwekwa Ohlone Tribe's Aboriginal lands since before and after the San Francisco Public Utilities commission's founding in 1932. It is vitally important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge and honor the fact that the Muwekla Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the SFPUC and are productive and flourishing members of the greater San Francisco Bay Area communities today. So uh, Donna, can you read the the first uh, item? Item number three the summary
1: of the budget hearing questions.
0: So are there any new summaries or questions? Um, that have come in or that we have since last Friday's meeting.
1: No, there are no 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 update at this meeting.
0: Okay, so let's get in Seeing none um, getting into the meet. Um, can we call item four?
1: Item four is a water enterprise in Hetch water fiscal year twenty twenty four twenty five 25 and fiscal year 25 26 operating in capital budgets and 10-year capital plan
0: Welcome, Mr. Ritchie.
2: Uh, Good morning, Commissioners. Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Um, And I'm happy to present on our biennial budget uh, for the next two years. If I can have the slides, please. So... I always have a couple of reminder slides up front again, pointing out that uh, our water system really does span the width of California. So it's a, it's a much bigger deal than uh, uh, other things that that you've heard. Uh, this is the third largest water utility in California. So it's a, uh, a major major part of the state's water infrastructure. Um, and we have customers that are outside of San Francisco, uh, but San Francisco is shown here our water system customers include San Francisco, most of San Mateo County, uh, the northern part of Santa Clara County and up into uh, Alameda County. Uh, And just for reference here, the darker the blue, the greater the percent that that community relies on San Francisco for its water for So for example, Hayward is the darkest blue because they are 100% of the San Francisco customer. And just south of there is the Alameda County Water District, which actually only relies for about 20% on us, except when the State Water Project can't supply them, and then they come back to us looking for more water. So it's, uh, we are a more reliable supply than the State Water Project. Um, This is the more routine map uh, that we show of the system, a schematic uh, that includes the major elements, our three reservoirs uh, in the Sierra, uh, Lake Lloyd and Lake Eleanor and Hitachi Reservoir, uh, and then the tunnels uh, and facilities coming down from that, the powerhouses. Uh, and operating reservoirs. Then crossing the San Joaquin Valley for, uh, again, ultraviolet treatment uh, that provides the treatment for our hatchets supply that is so pure it does not need to be filtered. Uh, Then crossing through the Coast Range Tunnel, where it is joined by water from the two uh, Alameda County, Santa Clara County Reservoirs, uh, San Antonio and Calaveras. Uh, And then again through the uh, Irvington Tunnels, to get into the Bay Area proper. And then you see the, the gold area is our service area. Um, and then there are the three uh, uh, peninsula reservoirs, Crystal Springs, Pillar cedos and San Andreas. Uh, so we have those eight major water supply reservoirs in our system. Uh, and just one note about them is these are all very old dams. The oldest dam in the system is Pillar cedos which was constructed in 1866. Uh, And except for the newly rebuilt Calaveras Dam, the youngest dam in the system is Turner Dam at San Antonio Reservoir, which was constructed in 1964. So that 1964 dam, which is already 59 years old, is the youngest dam in the system. So it's a very old system. And that's part of what we're talking about here in the budget is we have a lot of ongoing repair that needs to be done there. Uh, And one other key thing about this is that uh, our system is really storage reliant more than anything else. And this is mostly driven by our water rights uh, and how they've developed over time and the fact that we are junior to uh, the irrigation districts uh, on the Tuolumne River. But that uh, that, uh, large amount of storage is really an advantage for us. And I know we started to talk about climate change a fair amount. That amount of storage is really helpful for us because uh, it is in addition to the snowpack. So as snowpack might be down at different times, uh, we have the ability to capture water, that is precipitation as rain, or carry over precipitation from prior years. So having a lot of storage is a nice buffer for some of the effects that we will see of climate change. There's much more than the climate change story, but I know that's been a big topic, and I wanna make sure that I point out that kind of thing. Uh, next, uh, I want to talk about the Water Enterprise Organization. Uh, you see me here a lot, uh, but uh, I, am, I am just the, the tip of the iceberg, as you would say. Uh, there are about, uh, in terms of official positions, we have about 1,100 positions in the Water Enterprise, uh, and this is the overall organization chart. Uh, a number of my managers are here today, and I'm going to introduce them and ask them to stand up at the time. Uh, the deputy manager is Ellen Levin uh, who unfortunately is out on leave so she's not able to join us uh, at this point in time uh, But she works a lot on Bay Delta issues uh, and for Don Pedro relicensing issues. Uh, so it's a, a very key part of our, our organization uh, First it's going from uh, left to right in the bottom uh, it's the Hetch Hetchy Water and Power and Margaret Hannaford actually you saw just the other day uh, for an item Uh, They have in terms of official positions about 249 and they're responsible for the operation of the system uh, from the reservoirs in the Sierra on down through uh, the foothills and across the Central Valley. Uh, The exception is the Tesla Ultraviolet facility which is run by the Water Supply and Treatment Division but then the hetch Hetchy Power Project continues on through the Coast Range Tunnel to Alameda East. So that's the Hetch-Eche and Power part of our operation. Uh, the next one there, uh, in the, uh, upper row is the city distribution division, uh, that's managed by Bill Tien. Uh, and we actually, that is our largest position our largest division in terms of staffing that uh, our uh, permanent positions with 344, uh, and they take care of all of the facilities within San Francisco. Uh, and you know, for the, for the members of the community, they're the folks in the green and white trucks. Who are out there every day turning valves or fixing main breaks uh, or doing things of that nature uh, out there supporting capital projects for replacement of things Uh, so that's and these are all i I, want to make sure this is also very clear these are all 24 7 operations Uh, we don't talk a lot about the kind of heroic work they do but it really is pretty heroic work Uh, next there is the water supply and treatment division managed by angela chung Uh, Angela uh, manages a division that has 271 positions out of the 1,100 positions, uh, and they are responsible for basically uh, Tesla and then all of the treatment, uh, distribution, and storage facilities uh, between uh, the the, uh, Alameda East and the city line. Uh, There are a couple of other little minor uh, changes to that, but a lot of responsibility in making sure all the water is getting to all of our wholesale customers and into San Francisco. Uh, And then there's the Natural Resources and Lands Management Division, managed by Tim Ramirez. Uh, He has about 100 positions there. Uh, and their primary responsibility is managing the 60,000 acres of watershed lands uh, and right of way lands that we have here in the Bay Area that we are the owners and stewards of. Uh, and so that is a, a big responsibility, particularly on the environmental front, uh, as well as water supply. Uh, on the lower line uh, is the Water Quality Division headed by Andrew DeGrasse. Uh, Andrew uh, heads a division of also about 100 people. Uh, but they're responsible for compliance with our drinking water regulations, and they also uh, operate the laboratories that do all of the work. Uh, That has to be done, again, on a 24-7 basis to demonstrate that we are providing high-quality water to people. And they're also looking forward into new and different uh, issues that come along over time. That's where we have contaminants of emerging concern and other issues where things that aren't yet regulated, but we all know are beginning issues or issues in the future. Uh, and lastly, uh, the water resources division headed by Paula Kehoe. I don't think Paula's here to, oh, Paula is here today. She just made it at the end. <laughs> Uh, that's a relatively small division, about 27 people, but again, that's where we're looking forward to, uh, new conservation measures, uh, and new alternative water supplies that we might need to tap into the future. Again, this is looking to the future of what happens if things don't work out nicely for all of our existing facilities. How do we make th- make sure that we can deliver water to people on a 24 seven basis going into the future? Uh, so again, it's about 1100 positions, so it's, uh. It's a, it's a big, big uh, part of our organization, but one that uh, I'm very proud to, to be able to lead. Um, in terms of you know, what uh, is important in our budget, uh, one of the things that you did in November uh, was approve the 2023 Water Enterprise Level of Service Goals and Objectives. Uh, Those were, uh, again, they were a step beyond and updating and revising and expanding the level of service goals and objectives that were adopted in 2008 as part of the Water System Improvement Program. Um, And so the categories uh, and the rough objectives there, I didn't wanna go through that whole presentation again of all the details, but there's a lot of detail behind these Uh, in drinking water quality, regional seismic reliability, regional delivery reliability, in city seismic reliability, in city delivery reliability, water supply, environmental stewardship, and sustainability. That is a very comprehensive set of activities and goals <laughs> and objectives. And the objectives are where the real, the real action is. The goals are very broad, but the objectives are the things that we're striving for, most of which we can meet, but some of which are still aspirational, because we still have some ways to go on certain ones of them, but, and some are just ongoing. know you you can never rest as we've talked about on climate change and water quality and various other things so now to get into the water budget presentation itself uh, we'll talk about the water operating budget uh, and then the hetchy water operating budget the water capital improvement program and the hetchy water capital improvement program Um, and here Hecheche Water uh, is part of the water enterprise, but budgetarily they're a little different because they are partly supported by power revenues in addition to water revenues. The entire water enterprise is supported by water uh, revenues, but Hecheche has power revenues as well because of the, the nature of having uh, facilities. Uh, and again, just as a quick refresher, and we might cover it again later. Uh, for facilities within that system, they are categorized as one of three things either water facilities, uh, which are solely for water and are supported by water revenues, power facilities that are solely for power uh, generation and delivery, and they are supported by power revenues, and then there are a number of facilities that are joint facilities, and joint facilities are funded with 45% of water revenues and 55% of power revenues. Uh, so, again, it's a it's a different funding mix as opposed to just straight water revenues, and that's why it's called out different, uh, differently budgetarily. But overall, uh, the operating budgets uh, are really, have really been developed considering a variety of things. Uh, first, again, are those water enterprise levels of service that I talked about uh, in a couple of prior slides. That's kind of the overarching set of things that are important to how we operate and what we need to maintain. Um, but also there are various other things. Uh, the first one is generally new regulatory requirements. And a couple of good examples of those uh, is the ever-evolving uh, lead and drinking water. You'll see some stuff in this budget uh, that is new resources uh, for basically school sampling and reporting. Uh, Sounds like a a minor thing. It's actually a huge deal to go and sample all the schools in San Francisco for lead. Uh, Whether you think it's there or not, uh, there's a requirement that you go and search and find it so that if you can find it, we can do something about it because we don't want lead in school drinking water for sure. Um, Vehicles and equipment as well. Uh, The uh, uh, climate regulations that are moving along there are something that we are going to have to be responsive to, we've already started to replace a number of our vehicles uh, and pieces of equipment, but there's a long way to go there. Uh, And it's not an easy path. Uh, The best example is that very large equipment, uh, there's not really uh, reliable uh, uh, equipment on the market that is just electric. Uh, And when I'm talking big equipment, I mean big equipment, you know, backhoes, graders, you know, dump trucks, uh, those kinds of things. So we may also be looking at hydrogen fuel, uh, fuel cell uh, funding in the future. So, you know, what we currently might have is you know a place where you can get gas, a place where you can charge your electricity. And now we have to think about well, what about fuel cells? So that's that's going to be a coming thing for us. I'm just putting that out as there a flag, almost for future budgets, that that's going to be a big deal as we get into some of our new facilities. Um, we have new programs coming along. Uh, a number of Alameda Creek Watershed activities. The Alameda Creek Watershed Center that we've been working on and is moving towards completion, so we can take advantage of that, uh, as well as uh, uh, working with the Mowak uh in the watershed. That's a big piece of what we do there. Uh, alternative water supplies, you've heard a lot about that uh, over time. Uh, That has been presented to the Commission, uh, and that is going to be an ongoing program well into the future, because that's going to be one of those areas where we can't stop looking. Um, Native American cultural resources. You know, I mentioned the Muwekma Ohlone, uh, uh, the first uh, part of this, but there are lots of other tribal issues out there for us, uh, and in particular, we want to start to grapple with uh, those kind of issues up in the Hetch Hetchy portion of the system. We've done some work. I think that there's a lot more that we can do. Um, and then of course twelve new river issues are, are ongoing related to the Bay Delta and the FERC proceedings for Don Pedro uh, and other things that, that we're doing out there. Um and then also uh one of the things that you know was a big issue for us was looking internally within the organization and realigning staff resources to what are more priority levels for us uh, than what the positions were originally envisioned for. Or maybe just are better focused on a different priority uh, as we move forward instead of getting a new position right now Then we look into the future. Maybe there's a new position to backfill that you know first one in the first place But right now the work that is going to be dedicated to is more important for us to do So those are the overall drivers and I'll talk a little bit more about those as we get uh, further into the presentation on the uh, overview of the water budget. Uh, this slide basically shows uh, the water budget that uh, for this year is 674 and a half million dollars, uh, and expected to grow over the next two years to 765 and a half million dollars. Uh, and where you see the major growth is in that blue sliver there, uh, the capital improvements, uh, we have a lot of funds going into capital projects that I'll talk about in the second half of the presentation. Uh, That is the real big driver of uh, budget growth. There are other areas of growth, but they're they're much smaller by comparison Uh, On the position changes uh, We actually have a fairly modest number of changes here one of the things that uh, we did uh, even though there were a lot of excellent ideas coming forward on what things we should do Uh, We've had to be very cognizant of affordability and also other metrics that we have. A a very important for one is making sure that our debt service coverage stays in the proper range. And so we constrained our budget to make sure that we did not run into debt service problems because that would be uh, an unacceptable state of affairs. Uh, So uh, what you see here are proposals that that made it through. I, I won't go through the large long list of things that didn't make it through but but there are there's a lots of things that uh, we think are important but you have to prioritize obviously Uh, so there uh, we had uh, uh, nine new request uh, positions uh, half operating and half uh, project based uh, and then temporary to permanent positions again just as we've been done in another uh, organizations were trying to convert what have been temporary per- temporary positions over time to permanent uh, as much as anything else for a staff stability uh, issue uh, but there are other reasons to make them permanent as opposed to temporary uh, but then also looking at attrition savings uh, to offset those increases so that in uh, again then for 24 25 uh, there are seven project-based positions were funded not by operating revenues, but by project revenues uh, that uh, represent about a 1% change, actually a slightly less than 1% change in the number of positions uh, and none in 25, 26. So it's all in, uh, uh, 24, 25. Uh, and then you'll note there at the bottom is the note that we have 42 position substitutions, uh, within the enterprise. Uh, so, that may seem like a large number, but it's a pretty small number in terms of the size of the the organization when you have 1100 positions, uh, 42 is a pretty pretty slim amount. Uh, But again, those were looked at by uh, the managers in our divisions and proposed for substitution from one classification to another to deal with higher priority issues. Uh, A good example is uh, within water supply and treatment, we have put more emphasis on uh, capital improvement project management uh, and asset management and we've been moving positions toward that uh, as opposed to some of the other activities uh, but there are other things in terms of operation that have needed more support as well so they actually have the majority of these substitutions but there are they're all well considered and well thought out uh, as a way to go forward uh, and then the last uh, overall budget slide uh, on water is the uh, the growth drivers, uh, and this is just this shows the same information really as in the bar charts, uh, and you see that uh, in the 24-25 request, which is that block of things up above that starts off with the cola adjustments, eight uh, percent of it uh, uh, is is uh, from capital, or excuse me, the eight percent increase is due to capital, uh, and in 25-26, four percent. Uh, part of the increase is due to capital uh, over for an over net overall change of about 5% uh, in the budget uh, Then again the the a little more detail on the water operating requests, I'm not going to go through all the positions uh, specific by individual uh, but these are the the highlights of those uh, first is the conversions of temporary to permanent. And I already talked about that. We've got about 12 positions in water that we are converting to permanent positions. Uh, and these have been positions that have been temporary for some time. Uh, and we, need, we, we believe it's very important to convert those to permanent uh, as an important staff support uh, activity. Um, we have something coming forward on uh, new hydrant meter regulations. Uh, sounds like a funny little title, but basically what we do is we actually uh, have contractors come to us to get water, water meters that attach to uh, fire hydrants uh, that can then be used for construction projects, um, and that's, that's an ongoing thing all the time. Uh, and a uh, contractor will come and get a water meter, uh, and then they'll bring it back later with the expectation that it will be used at a particular job site. Uh, And that then the water gets paid for when the meter is brought back in and uh, read But it turns out there have actually been no regulations whatsoever uh, in that and Cheryl Bregman is kind of smiling at me a little bit This is an issue that we have identified Where I think there have been abuses of the system and we felt have felt it's important to actually put in place uh, regulations governing the management of those and uh, as always, with these kind of things, consequences if people violate those regulations. You'll be seeing those later this year uh, as we bring it forward. But of course, if you have regulations, you need to have staff to support the enforcement of those regulations and application of them. Uh, so you'll see a couple of positions in here. Um, new lead in school monitoring requirements. I mentioned this. There are new requirements now. Uh, for monitoring uh, in schools uh, and reporting the results uh, and helping to take steps uh, for schools to be able to deal with any issues they find. Uh, This is a big deal in terms of the number of schools and also uh, not to get too much into the weeds, how you actually test for lead requires that the water not be used for eight hours. Well, trying to find a time when a school's not using its water for eight hours turns out to be a huge deal and scheduling staff to be there at that time so that they can do that uh, takes a lot of effort. So this is a very staff intensive effort to move forward, get those samples collected, get them back at the, uh, I think it's a, you know more than 200 schools in San Francisco uh, that would be covered by this. Uh, so people have said, well, gee, can you test another school? Well, you can always test another one, but you start to test one, you want to test them all. So the state has come through with regulations starting next year that say you have to test them all. And so it's, it's a big effort that will take place periodically into the future. Um, I mentioned position realignments in the water supply and treatment division. Uh, again, we have, uh, Uh, bigger efforts underway on asset management both in its organization of it and on the staff to provide the maintenance to uh, to do that Uh, and so we're realigning positions within that uh, organization to make sure that we can we can take care of that very essential work Um, we've got in here staffing for the Alameda Creek Watershed Center and the native plant nursery Uh, not a large number of positions but critical ones to make sure that when we open the watershed center we can actually welcome guests to it uh, and deal with it. And our nursery uh, has been uh, kind of, uh, you know, a hand-to-mouth kind of uh, operation so far. And we need to add another couple of staff to solidify that because we know our native plant nursery build will be an important thing into the future. Um, we had started our alternative water supply program uh, with temporary staff. Uh, We're closing in on having the first phase of the plan there, but that's going to be an activity that's ongoing for many many years Uh, It's very clear to us that these projects certainly don't happen overnight uh, And they are all technically and institutionally complex Uh, So we're moving those to permanent staff Uh, Chemical cost increases. Uh, We're adding a million and a half dollars to the water supply and treatment budget for treatment chemicals primarily uh, the uh, hypochlorite uh, use uh, has been very variable and the market has been very volatile on that. So we've been struggling with that along with wastewater. We're we're both facing the same issues in terms of just the availability of hypochlorite uh, as well as the cost of it uh, and how we cover that. Uh, And then as I mentioned previously, equipment and fleet modernization. We need to start converting more and more things to electric where we can uh, and there is funding here to do that uh, and to take out some older vehicles that uh, uh, are no longer, no longer suitable for the road. Uh, but also here, there's a chunk of money, uh, particularly, again, for water supply and treatment, for a lot of their uh, equipment uh, that we use in uh, landscape maintenance uh, throughout the water system. Again, it's a very large system, so there's a lot of work there on that. Um, on the programmatic uh, requests, uh, it nets out to a slight decrease. Uh, again, there are some areas here uh, that uh, we have uh, you know, proposed increases in uh, and some that we have proposed decreases in, uh, so it nets out to a, a net decrease. Uh, but again, these are areas uh, that we have a lot of work to do uh, and this is the best way to support it here these have typically in the past been part of the capital budget and just as an FYI we're putting them in the operating budgets they really are supported with operating funds so we did a shift of moving them into the operating budget but the, the net effect on them is is no, is nothing it's just a matter of where we have it in the program so if if you've ever seen it before in the capital budget it's not there now it's in the operating budget Um, talking about the Hetch Hetchy Water uh, budget, uh, again, the growth overview there uh, is, again, capital projects. Uh, that gray bar at the top uh, is the single largest increase. It uh, starts out with $95 million here in this fiscal year and gets up to $116 million uh, in the future fiscal year. Uh, and... Uh, these were a slightly different order but you can see uh, the growth drivers again are capital and programmatic projects Uh, so they are the single biggest change here there are other things and we'll make mention of some of those uh, but the real big changes in capital and there's a lot to talk about in the capital front uh, that uh, is different between the two parts of the organization that are important to understand Um, and on the position front uh, again temporary to permanent uh, was about four positions uh, and there were new requests uh, for uh, a small number of positions uh, and then we spread the temporary to permanent over two years again by uh, adjusting attrition uh, we've limited the number there so there's you know one real new position uh, that's in there uh, and they substituted about 13 positions from various other activities into new activities going forward in uh, in this budget. And so highlighting uh, the HETCHI operating requests, uh, there are increases for uh, the memorandum of agreement with the National Park Service uh, and Turlock and Modesto Irrigation District uh, agreements for our work in the Don Pedro project relicensing uh, and other activities there. One that uh, I think we're all quite happy about, just to mention it, uh, again, was uh, the moving forward with the districts together on being able to start working forward on the habitat improvement projects uh, as the documents that are lined up on that. They are part of the voluntary agreements, but we're treating these not as part of that. We're treating this as something that all three are committed to doing, and so we're just going forward on those, uh, and that's going to be a big step forward. Um, we also have the O'Shaughnessy Dam Instream flow management plan, environmental review. Uh, this is something that we've been working on for uh, many years uh, with staff from Natural Resources and Hetch Hetchy working on that. We have old stipulations uh, that we signed back in the 70s that establish uh, the requirements for our instream flow releases at O'Shaughnessy Dam. Uh, And they were basically designed for maintaining trout in the stream. And uh, we all believe that we could do better than that for the environment and better mimic uh, the hydrology of the the system. And so we've been working on that for many years. uh, And we've actually been pretty comfortable with what we're doing now uh, and been pushing uh, the National Park Service uh, to take on the environmental review because they have to be the lead agency on this. And very frankly, because they've had, they had a rocky road for many years on some environmental review projects. They were not anxious to pick up one, but this year they finally said, okay, we're ready to do this so we can make these permanent changes that we can all support. Uh, But that's gonna be, you know, a multi-year process as our environmental review processes are. And there's, you know, a chunk of money in here, two plus million dollars to support that environmental review process. Uh, and then lastly supporting the Native American and cultural resources management program. That's the one new position there uh, again to make sure we're devoting that to uh, developing our relationship uh, with uh, the uh, tribes uh, that exist and there there are very few federally recognized tribes uh in, in our neck of the woods But there are tribal folks Mark Maloney are a good example. They are not federally recognized uh, and many in the Bay Area are but the same is true of the Sierra, and we need to establish better relations with them uh, and do a better job overall of managing our cultural resources with all our projects. Um, and then on the Hetch Hetchy Water Programmatic Requests, uh, there is uh, uh, an increase there for WEC and NERC compliance, that's the Western Electricity Coordinating Council, the North American Electric Reliability Coordination, uh, or Corporation. Uh, That is the regulatory system for operating the grid uh, and power generation and power transmission and distribution. Uh, So those are big issues for us to deal with. Um, The uh, transmission line issue, you'll see that show up actually in the capital budget as well. That means managing the the vegetation and trees and everything around our existing uh, uh, power lines. so again, here, uh, somewhat of an increase. Uh, the Weckner compliance is actually updating old, uh, you know, hardware and software that is necessary for maintaining compliance. Uh, so I'll take a little break here. That is the summary of the water and Hetchy Water uh, operating budgets, uh, and be happy to take any questions on that uh, if the commission has any questions. So, no,
0: thank you. We will take uh, questions and, and thanks for uh that introduction and and thorough uh, summary. Commissioner Ajami.
3: Thank you, Mr. Richie. This was great. Um, Obviously, you know the water enterprise is very close and dear to me, so I'm uh, very eager to um, always eager to learn more about what's going on under the um, under your um, leadership. I have a few questions, one on slide 12 that you were going through highlight of water op- uh, water enterprise operating requests um, on the lead in school monitoring requirements. I wonder, obviously we are putting that effort in, I wonder like in five years there might be other things that we have to be uh, monitoring for. Um, I would not be surprised. So I'm wondering if there is a way we can think about this a little bit more systematically. So if the uh, new regulations comes down, what is it that we can do um, to make sure um, whatever network we create here can enable us to do other things? Um, or monitor for other, um, uh, you know, chemicals that might be uh, regulated in the future. Um, so beyond what we are doing right now, so I'd, I would like to hear what your thoughts are on that. And then, on the uh, chemical cost increase, I couldn't um, fully grasp um, why the cost of um, hypochloride has gone up. Uh, is there like a specific reason? Um, And just a little bit more on that would be very valuable. Just also anticipating, is this something temporary because of all the projects we have? Is this something permanent? Um, And um, do you expect this to change even more? Um, And on that topic, um, I, I don't see it here right now, but as we do more recycling and uh, potentially desalination, um, or using the purification process. Um, do we need to think a little bit more about, um, the cost of operating and maintaining those systems and different, uh, chemicals or membranes that they need? I know it's not right now in our budget, but generally speaking, I would love to hear a little bit more.
2: Okay. Um, well, taking those one at a time, uh, the new lead in school monitoring, uh, the, the three positions for that are driven by, there are new regulations that uh, have come into, or are, are coming into effect on that. So that is a requirement that we have to do. Um, and this is all, you know, managed out of our water quality division. So if we need to dig into more, I'm sure, you know, Andrew can provide additional work. But uh, again, a big chunk of their work is looking forward to the next mm-hmm. thing, whatever it is. One of the things that uh, I think we've alerted the Commission to uh, is the, uh, the lead and copper uh, rule improvements, uh, which is the uh, federal regulation for lead and copper in uh, drinking water systems and lead being a big piece of that. Uh, those uh, regulations had been under development for They've been underdrawn for a, a long time. time. It's a very challenging area because it's hard to identify if there's any safe level for lead. Um, and so uh, we've been working on those uh, and they finally, you know, under threat of litigation, put out draft regulations that are the are a revised set from what they had been. Uh, I think the chances are pretty good that those will be made permanent uh, this year. Uh, And so there will be a whole new set of regulations relative to uh, Lead and copper uh, that we have to deal with some will be reporting uh, some will deal with the issue of do we do work on the other side of the Meter Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that a little bit in the capital program side because that's where we are doing work uh, On fixing that but you know the lead is just one little piece, uh, but there are whole uh, sections within uh, you know, our water quality division that are devoted to uh, making sure we maintain compliance with all of the existing regulations and making sure that we're looking forward to and analyzing and trying to figure out how we can best then manage uh, into the future. You know, It would really be great if you could find some regulations for a new, uh, new contaminant that gee, mm-hmm. we actually took care of that by doing things we needed to do for lead and copper or whatever we've most recently done. Uh, right. So those kinds of things are out there. You'll see one of our capital projects is the uh, uh, ozone project at the Snow Valley Water Treatment Plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's particularly to take care of taste and odor issues, but it also has a beneficial effect in disinfection byproducts and other things. So that's a good okay. example of a project that you know can help move us forward uh, in the future. So we're all very aware of that, uh, but it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's, sure. a, it's a never-ending thing as... as uh, uh, as uh, analytical techniques get better, uh, we find more. The more we find, the more people worry about it. Sometimes they worry about it before there's any documented you know, n- negative effect, uh, but that doesn't change you know, the public perception that there are things we have to deal with. Very true. Um, on, the, uh, on the chemical cost increases, this is not a San Francisco issue. Uh, this is an industry-wide issue uh, I would capture it you know under the giant rubric of supply chain uh but it's it's generally in that area where we went through a period i believe it was about two years ago where deliveries were almost impossible to come by uh and changes you know whatever were happening on the supply side were sending the prices through the roof uh and our contract uh actually you know expired uh for that uh, and we needed to deal with getting a new contract right away we had routinely been doing them every couple of years but the market was changing very rapidly and literally this was taken up at the national level this was not just a san francisco or a california issue this was an industry-wide issue for uh, in particular disinfection and dechlorination chemicals uh, that we've all had to face this proposal of a million and a half dollar increase we think will help us Uh, but we've also seen from experience in the past that the market does tend to be volatile so we might go through a year where the prices start to drop again Uh, so what's the right number to Mm -hmm. put out there is a little bit of a crapshoot Uh, but we think it's prudent to add some money to the budget now for it on this but this is uh, again this is not just San Francisco or California issue. This is this is a nationwide issue that, that people are struggling with. And uh, I don't know what the, if there is an end game here or if the market will just keep on being volatile.
3: And do you anticipate like other chemicals um, we might need would have the same problem? Or I'm just, again, like not thinking about, obviously we are looking at the budgets for um, the next um the next budget, but I'm wondering, like, is this something we have to anticipate even longer? Should we, like, uh, do you think this is going to be, um, do we need other chemicals that potentially may go through the same problem or, you know, I guess you sort of touched on that by saying we really don't know, it's an uncertainty yeah. that we don't know how to well, deal with and, it right and,
2: now. And the, and the ones that we, you know, obviously the ones we rely on the most, you know, by far, are sodium hypochloria, sodium hypochlorite and sodium bisulfite. You know, chlorination and dechlorination, particularly on Mm -hmm. the wastewater side, but chlorination for both of us. At Tesla, we get, you know, truckloads coming in every couple of days uh, just because we need to make sure that we have a steady supply and that we have enough storage on hand because we have some large tanks there. those and those are the you know the single bread and butter piece uh along with fluoride for us fluoride you know we don't use as much of, so it uh it hasn't proved to be volatile as volatile yet um, there are other chemicals, but there aren't too many those are those are really the big ones, head and shoulders uh, above the others that we really have to worry about
3: okay and then as we are sort of you were going to say something
2: yeah, well, and then moving on to. Uh, alternative water supplies uh, in the future where we will need to do additional treatment and disinfection. Uh, There are lots of operational issues around those and so as we develop those projects and we'll talk about those a little bit in the capital side, uh, that is something we have to be very cognizant of that uh, you know it's like okay so we're going to recycle water and we're just gonna plug some treated wastewater into the pipes here. that is you know a large complex process uh, both in terms of staffing and equipment as well as chemicals uh, and uh, other operational considerations that uh, will need to be part of the complete analysis of how we implement those and we're looking at various ones i suspect we won't do all of them uh, but i suspect we will do one or two of them Uh, which ones I, i i can guess right now but uh we still need to get through some more analysis uh, and partnership development really to really get to the answer. Um, but yes, the, the, all the operational considerations are, are very critical for those projects.
3: Yeah. Um, on, thank you for all that. Um, slide 13, um, you had um, drought response um, for half a, I'm just, these are FT's, right? Half FT, which sort of eliminated for 24, 25, and 25, 26, and I'm wondering if this is something. I mean, we don't know. Maybe next year will be a drought year. So, is this something that we're going to keep bring back and put back in, or do we need somebody? Since this is keep coming back, um, do we need someone um, more permanently focusing on this? I understand. I'm assuming you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know you will. Um, this individual or the, that half AFT is not. You're not bringing somebody in. So you're just basically yeah. putting half it, this, a person. This
2: is, this is not a person. Right. right. Uh, yeah. We, this we is have... half
3: a time of someone who is like focusing on this issue.
2: Yeah. Or or uh, contract support. Uh, that's okay. that's when you see short term things like this, those tend right. to be more contract support uh, activities. Okay. So this was uh, we needed to make sure we had resources in place for extended public outreach, which means buying time uh, different places so we can get messages out to people. Oh, okay. uh, and you know, we work with consultants and maybe we add a little consultant support to do additional work there. Okay. But this was thinking that, you know, assuming the drought extended an additional year that we would want to have more capacity to literally support outreach efforts uh, not so much in the in the message development is about in the physical process of getting it out there
3: Right be um, disseminating those, those messages yeah sort
2: of. yeah and so uh, you know even even this one uh, as the drought ended last year it's like oh, oh we've got this money and
3: right yeah.
2: But but we, we, we didn't feel a need to continue it uh, because it is more of a periodic thing uh, we do have a, a large amount of communication that just goes out on a routine basis mm-hmm. you know there's never-ending yes. you know support for conservation uh, and water use reduction uh, throughout our system and with our wholesale customers as well um, but occasionally you need to goose it a, yeah. b- a bit more
3: to get more so gotta Thank you for the clarification. On the uh, on slide 17, you were discussing about um, uh, connecting more with the Native American and cultural resources. Uh, basically, connecting with the Native um, communities that are up in the uh, upper watershed uh, more closely and engaging with them. And I was wondering. Um, what the strategy is to hire that person because obviously trying to find someone in that area who has connection to these groups um is quite important um, i'm glad that we have this in i mean i'm really absolutely glad that we have this role uh, embedded in this budget i'm just um sort of would love to see somebody in that role that is that has the capacity up there and understand um, these communities very well. So, kind of as you're going into to hire someone, I'm sure you're going to think about this very um, carefully. Yeah,
2: it's 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 in it's proposed in the budget now. Uh, we will be starting work on this, but it's going to be because of the time of the budget process and everything. Getting to hire a person is is still a ways off uh, on this. Um, and also uh, needing to think through and work through uh, what the resource what, what you know again what the total resource need is uh, if you look at Yosemite National Park there's a lot of uh, you know it's, it's, it's a big park uh, they have uh, had a lot of interaction with tribes around Yosemite Valley if you ever look at anything relative to the valley there's there's a lot of information a lot of tribes, a lot of interest, a lot of pretty ugly history uh, in Yosemite National Park focused on the valley. It's pretty quiet uh, over on our side. So uh, we don't think we'll need nearly as large an effort uh, as what the park has done, Uh, but we obviously need to coordinate with the park. Their focus has been on the valley and will stay on the valley. Uh, So we'll be working with them, uh, but trying to work through, you know, the tribes and, you know, the descendants uh, who remain of those tribes uh, that uh, might be there. That's a lot of the legwork up front is really, you know, finding out who they are and getting to know them. Uh, yeah, and we want to have resources on people who can do that. Uh, I'll say here in the Bay Area, uh, our staff uh, have done a really great job of communicating with the uh, Tim in particular Carla Schultheis uh, has done uh, a Long work and it, it it is long work. It is you've got to be in it for the yes. long haul You can't just drop by and say hi. I'm here to help that Absolutely. doesn't work uh, and will never work uh, So you need to develop those relationships
3: Absolutely um, Those are my questions. I just want to acknowledge the fact that you mentioned um, the age of our system I think that is a huge issue, Um, not an issue, but sort of requires a lot more attention and care. I'll I'll mention it again
2: later several times. Yes,
3: I'm sure you will. So, um, but I want to acknowledge that I appreciated that the fact that you brought that up, because I'm sure it's constantly in your attention and your um, concern. So,
0: thank you. Commissioner Maxwell.
4: Thank you. Um, let me start with uh, about the position for the Native American. I, I understand, well, I'm just going to be blamed. I would like to see somebody from that, those people. I'd like to see a Native American, somebody in there with that position. I mean, just to be honest with you, from that area and from those people, because I think they understand. I, I don't need to go into that. You, you understand what I'm saying. And it would be very difficult for me if we do hire somebody and they don't look like those people. I think that, that that would be a problem for me. And it may be difficult and it may be all these things, but we have done difficult things before. And then I'd like to know um, how many positions, full positions do you have? I mean, if you're, if you're at full capacity, what does that look like? What's the number?
2: Uh, well, the, the total number of positions when you add the water enterprise together with Hetch Hetchy Water, TOTAL BUDGETED POSITIONS IS 1109, TO BE PRECISE. Um, WE ARE CURRENTLY RUNNING ABOUT A 23% VACANCY RATE. uh, SO WE'RE NOT THE HIGHEST, BUT WE'RE NOT THE LOWEST EITHER. SO WE, AS EVERYBODY ELSE, HAVE BEEN, YOU KNOW, STRUGGLING TO FILL POSITIONS, AND WE'RE KEEPING AT IT, uh, AND WE ARE GETTING IN NEW PEOPLE uh, FROM TIME TO TIME. Um, we also add in uh, we have different types of temporary positions that we we use, uh, as well as uh, in some cases contract staff, uh, who we bring in. Uh, I'll give a, a minor shout out for for Hetch Hetchy Water and Power. Uh, they will bring in staff, particularly on, in some of the technical capacities uh, such as engineering. They will bring in. Uh, staff as engineers uh, to work as contractors under our direction but also get them interested in working at moccasin and Hetechi and we've actually successfully been able to convert a number of those staff into people who are willing to get hired by us uh and those are great those are great opportunities but but you kind of have to have a, a process to get people in the door to look at them, get them familiar with you, as well as you familiar with them.
4: So so you have about 1,109. And with the additions that you're asking for, how many would that be all together?
2: Well, with the additions, that's more like, you know, uh, I can't recall the number. If you added up the two from those two slides, it's a little bit more than that. Maybe, you know, six more positions. I don't know.
4: Oh, hmm. but then you want it 14 and, and. Yeah,
2: 251 plus
4: 867. So what is that?
2: That's 1, 1100, 1118. So that's about nine positions.
4: Okay. And then if you were fully staffed, if, if everything were humming and going well, what would that number look like?
2: I, I mean, I know it's I, 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 w- going I, w- well I, I would not hazard a guess on that.
4: Well, you said that you are at 25 percent down. 23%. I'll,
2: 23 percent. I'll take every percent I can get. 23
4: okay. percent down. And so, what if, then if you were only 10 percent down? Would that be, um, would that be the number, you know, that you're trying to get to? I mean, the the positions we. Yeah,
2: there there will always be vacancies. Yeah. 10 percent feels a whole lot better than 23 percent.
4: Okay. Okay, um, and then we also talked. I asked a question, and um, I don't know whether it's been answered. Maybe I missed it, but it was a correlation between how many people were down and then contracting out. Um, and so I was told that we would get it in this budget that I would that it would be answered. And maybe I missed the answer. I don't know. But is there any? I mean. You know, I'm I'm sure I remember seeing a lot of um, and I knew people who worked for the water department Mm -hmm. a long time ago. And um, and they lived in the sunset and they bought houses. Well, those people are no longer there. And 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 the work is still being done. But a lot of other things are happening more often, I think. Mm -hmm. And it could be related to the fact that we don't have enough people looking, monitoring. Um, and so we contracted out, and they only cut, if you contract for them to cut that branch, that's what they're going to cut. I don't care what else the tree may look like, but they're only going to cut that branch. I, that's a concern. And so I wanted to hear, I wanted to be, to feel better that we are not not hiring people and contracting out. But I haven't heard that. We still have another, um, maybe on this um, Friday, somebody can kind of, answer that question for me
2: yeah that's a that's a PUC wide question uh we have uh, some positions I don't know the exact number off the top of my head of where we have uh contractors who are you know taking on some of the responsibilities we would normally have staff do that's particularly in the city distribution division and Hetchy Water and Power we have more of those contract type staff than in the other divisions uh and you know Obviously, we'll work with Wendy and others to, you know, help provide an answer. Help what? Help provide an answer.
4: Oh, okay. Thank you. And then um, the chemicals, I know that you, you need a position for, for the chemicals, and I think wastewater wanted a position.
2: Uh, no, we were not That's not a position. That's just cash to buy it by chemicals.
4: Oh, you just want cash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Me too. Yeah. Um, we all do. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Oh yes, and then you you mentioned um, see, it was seven. Oh yes, it's um, sustainability. And that was water enterprise level of service goals. Mm-hmm. I also noticed you didn't mention affordability as a service goal.
2: Yeah, actually, sustainability are, uh, is, is an umbrella. Affordability is contained under that, that we think that for our system to be sustainable, it's got to be affordable. So that's why it's, it's underneath that. It's one of the objectives.
4: Okay, because I, I didn't see it. It's just sustainability. Um, it says environmental, economic, and social. Oh. Is that economic? Yeah, oh. that's economic. Okay. All right. Then when you said um, sustainability, environmental, economic, and social, so what does that mean, the social part? How, what?
2: Um, well, that includes, uh, you know, supporting the uh, communities that we serve uh, and the communities that we affect. Uh, so that's part of the social aspect of this that, You know, and this is true, of course, with all of us that we we operate uh, in large in different geographic areas. But there are communities that we are directly serving uh, as part of it, and communities that we are uh, then affecting with our operation. Uh, And that effect uh, actually kind of is is a couple of things. It's you know whatever we're doing in terms of capital projects uh, or other things that might disrupt the community. Uh, you know, we look to, you know, hire, hiring locally is something that's not just San Francisco. It's throughout the system, uh, but also like in, in jobs, you know, Hetch Hetchy is the, at least it used to be the seventh largest employer in Tuolumne County. It's a big employer in the county. Uh, so that's part of, uh, what they're doing there. And, and they're engaged in a lot of activities, helping members of the community in various ways.
4: When we talk about that, normally, I mean, I don't see anything about racial equity, um, it, in, in your, in, in this, and then when I look at the Native Americans, the Native, uh, Native, is that right? Um, the uh, Indigenous people mm-hmm. there, that to me is a part of all of that. And that's why I, I don't, yeah. I hear if, your if, engagement, but I don't he, see hear your engagement on...
2: And so, Commissioner, we went through all of those objectives of the levels of service at the November meeting, and you know it's a very extensive list of things that you know are guideposts for us. Uh, we can go back in that here. I truncated it because that would have taken up a big chunk of time that we didn't think was necessary. but there are within each one of these there's a lot of important details in all of the things that are under it, and wait, racial equity is one of those.
4: I understand that, but sometimes those kind of things need to be um Talked about. They need to be in here. We need to see them. It's just social. That could be anything. So since we we have an emphasis in the very beginning, um, it says an emphasis on on racial and environment. And so that's why for me it's extremely important. And then when we talk about hiring people and we talk about um, cultural, um, you know, that that's a concern for me. And and also we we also talked about programs dealing with young people and getting them into, um, you know, keepers and and women becoming Mm -hmm. ground keepers. I mean, you know, you get a farmhouse for what, $1,200 a month. I mean, these people could really, um, you know, that could be really something that that could make a difference in people's lives and our lives. Because the more people we have involved in and getting, you know, into that stream is important. And I'm just wondering about. Um, you know, I saw the one point what was it 1.3 million for youth? Yeah, so how does that work and what are we what's our goal there?
2: Well, that's a contribution to our youth programs throughout the PUC. So it's a contribution uh, to that in terms of funding We actually do hire uh, particularly uh, in uh, the uh, the summer we actively are constantly recruiting people to come in uh, and work uh, and have started out getting, you know, seasonal work with us that interests them and its people of color and its women. Uh, we also have uh, in the Sierra uh, and in the San Joaquin County, Tuolumne County area, uh, we have a very active program uh, for, excuse me, uh, pre-apprenticeship, uh, to get people into apprenticeshipship There's a very popular program and one that we're very proud of and a proud partner of. So we're doing a lot of things on there. I, I, we would be happy to, to come and present on those. They might be better as part of an overall PUC picture because there are elements of that. Um, but right now we're just gearing up for summer hires, you know, that in some cases are laborers in some cases are technical people or quasi technical people in college programs right now we are doing that uh, and we can we can tell a story there for sure
4: Okay, well, I think when we're doing a budget. I think it should it's not um, I think it's important to mention affordability Um, and economic could be anything but specifically um, You know we're a public agency and just the other Well, yesterday, actually, before the game, I was flipping through the channels and I started watching um, the Port Commission. And that's what people do. I mean, we never know when people are going to watch us and what they're going to hear and what they're going to see. So I think it's important that we always talk about our goal is... Uh, affordability yeah. in, in and, and that, that particularly and will
2: come out in the capital program element because as we talked about those are the largest drivers of increases here and so affordability is really very high on our radar screen collectively
4: great thank you and thank you for for your patience and caring I appreciate it
5: thank you
0: thank you mr. Rivera uh,
5: good morning thank Mr. mr. Richie thank you very much for a great presentation and I just wanted to um, also mentioned what um, uh, Commissioner um, Maxwell stated, "I would love to see a, a presentation on youth employment and um, what we're doing with it and you know potentially increasing that budget and you know bringing more y- young people into uh, PUC for uh, potential career lifelong career. So I-, I would be totally interested in that. Um, And then I just wanted to make a comment uh, on slide eight. Uh, We were talking about, or you had mentioned uh, new regulatory requirements for vehicles and equipment, and um, you had stated about uh, alternative fuel vehicles, such as uh, hydrogen, and I know that um, I worked on a pilot program to try to bring hydrogen-powered vehicles into fire, and at the fire department, at that time there was only two MAJOR MANUFACTURERS THAT PRODUCE THOSE VEHICLES. NOW THERE'S OVER 10. SO I WOULD JUST LIKE TO um, MAYBE PLANT THAT SEED THAT IN OUR, our NEW FACILITY THAT WE'RE BUILDING, um, LOOKING AT uh, POSSIBLY PUTTING IN A HYDROGEN REFUELING STATION THERE. I KNOW THAT WE HAVE ONE IN SAN FRANCISCO, BUT IT'S ON A PRIVATELY OWNED GAS STATION, AND THEY'RE HAVING A LOT OF MAINTENANCE PROBLEMS. Uh, SFO HAS a, a HYDROGEN FUELING STATION they have zero problems. And it could be because of the city maintenance staff is just a little bit more uh, engaged and making sure that that uh, that's available, um, you know, for the uh, city vehicles. So I just wanted to give that comment. And you know, make sure that uh, that's, that's something that's out there. And I know that a lot of times, there's um, uh, uh, maybe the thought process is, well, you know, we have all diesel vehicles, and We don't need hydrogen, but you know, looking forward, we may have more hydrogen vehicles and, um, just a few blocks away on Selby is uh, central shops. They have a diesel fueling station. They have a, a diesel tanker, uh, that's available for, um, uh, mobile transport of fuel. And, um, there's also another tanker on 25th street for fire department. So there there's a lot of diesel right now. It would be great to have, uh, hydrogen available uh, in a city facility so that um, we could you know regularly maintain it and uh, you know possibly uh, you know address the 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 need for it as it as it comes up so I just wanted to kind of plant that yeah. that seed for the new facility and you know keep keep an open mind with that
2: oh absolutely I think the, those those issues of you know how many gas stations do you have? Do you need one in every facility or there can there be shared facilities? Uh, and then I started to explore you know hydrogen fuel uh, and that's a, that's a whole big issue into itself and uh, the necessary requirements for actually yep. siting a facility and given that we have you know large numbers of equipment, here in San Francisco, as well as in Milbrae, as well as in Sonol, as well as in Moccasin, you know, how are we going to meet our needs, uh, there and how do we fit them into the, the city structure? Uh, and you know, you mentioned, well, there's a private, but there's a public and the public seems to be working better. You know, know, those are the kinds of things that we have to really start to dig into because I'm I'm pretty sure hydrogen will be part of our future. How big You know how small those are tough questions to answer Uh, but we need to make sure that we if we don't build them now we make room for them so that we can do that in the
5: future thank you excellent thank you
0: Commissioner Stacy
6: thank you for the presentation I when I look at your org chart I almost think it should look more like tentacles uh, rather than boxes because there's so much um, just overlap and uh, collaboration among all of your uh, divisions and you talked a little bit about uh, some realignment of staff resources and you mentioned in particular uh, more asset management in the water supply and treatment division mm-hmm. but that also has to affect um, the water, the water quality, the water resources, the natural resources, and land management divisions as well. And I, I feel like a broken record sometimes. I just think that the collaboration and the cooperation among all of your issues and you know climate change affects everything we do in every way. I, I hope that that can, continues to occur, is occurring within the department because there's just so much apparent overlap in in what you do and how you do it
2: well there 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 is overlap to some extent but you know some responsibilities are are bigger than others and you know the 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 asset management is driven largely by you know hardware Mm -hmm. uh big hardware uh and the folks responsible for that kind of have the the primary responsibility but there is plenty of work take for example the watersheds there's miles of fence and miles of road uh, that uh, are out there as well that not need to be accounted for uh, from a cost point of view they're less but they're still pretty critical so how we make sure that we're managing all of those uh, and it needs uh, it needs uh, coordination but it also needs to make sure that within each of the divisions there is some ownership of that uh, so we've got to make sure we've got both components of that
6: I see and I was thinking of assets as being something broader than hardware I mean the the watersheds certainly and the and all mm-hmm. of the work that we do for water quality and water resources seems really to me it's it's a big part of our asset they uh, are. Management, but yep. I, I understand you're focusing more on the sort of the hardware aspect of it when you talk about assets today. Okay, I have a couple of just detailed questions to help me connect the dots a little bit. Um, on slide ten, you've broken down position types into operating and project. I assume that's really sort of the way that uh, staff sort of bills its time. That a project is a specific. Uh, maybe tending to be more of a capital project. Whereas operating is more ongoing and overhead. Is that
2: right? Yeah, the operating uh, uh, Operating are our A's in the in our lingo and you know project our O's uh, And the A's the operating positions are funded by the operating budget uh, and so they are they are they're being paid for you know, all the time by the basic operating budget, the project positions or the O's are project funded positions. So generally, those positions are established where there's going to be a project that will actually provide the funding for that position. Uh, Because, you know, the, the capital budget and the operating budgets are kind of two different things. And you have to be able to manage both those, you know, so projects are funded to a certain amount. Uh, And sometimes those are great places for certain positions that help support that project should be funded Uh, We actually went through a big exercise several years ago uh, In the city distribution division that we had a large number of project positions because we have uh, contractors that come in and replace mains But all of the connections are taken care of by us So we have a lot of staff supporting those well, what we found was that uh when we were coming to budget times, we had to recognize the fact that the uh the overhead for those positions was actually applied to the operating budget. So only about you know, you know, two thirds of their salary was being paid and a third was, you know, covered by the operating budget. And that was a big chunk of our operating budget that was being so we had to go through a process of quantifying all of their time off uh, and benefits so that it could be allocated to the project. project so it's right. the, the, you know these are uh, details but very important details yeah. in terms of how the numbers work out.
6: Sure. Thank you. And on your slide 13 um, I had let's see if I can find it. The What you're calling programmatic request, I, I think you describe that as something that you're thinking now in terms of rather than a capital project, you're moving it into more of an operational budget. Is that what you mean by programmatic yeah well they've
2: always been called programmatic uh and i won't go into the background of how they were developed but there were good reasons for creating these Mm -hmm. Um, but they really are just funded by revenues by operating revenues Uh, and so uh, in prior years when you considered the capital budget there was a spreadsheet for the capital improvement program Mm -hmm. and a separate spreadsheet for the programmatic projects Uh, and uh, I think this year we've looked at the budget and said that's really just operating funds Mm -hmm. and so it's been moved over to the operating budget uh, as opposed to so the 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 approach to it isn't really any different Uh, it's just you know which bucket we put it into It's the same chunk of stuff just in a different bucket
6: got it so within that um, Chart on slide 13. Mm -hmm. I see Treasure Island is going down eight tenths um, of a position. Is is that because you expect it to be the the capital part of that to be winding down over the next couple years and the operation? Well, and
2: and also the part of uh, you know whose system is it? Uh, It has been the Navy's drinking water system. We are just, and and then they, you know, but TIDA uh, operates it and contracts with us. uh, And so we're dealing with it that way. We are now getting part of the water system actually transferred to be part of our system. And so once it's part of our system, it just becomes really, Treasure Island is no longer a different classification. It's just part of the system. Uh, So that's why the numbers are going down. Is we're actually starting to take on more of the direct responsibility for it as a water system.
6: Currently, we're just
2: a contractor.
6: Yeah, thank you. And then further down the chart, there's a loss of a position in the landscape conservation program. Could you? That's
2: that's not a position. Uh, Those are dollars.
6: Oh, Uh, these are dollars. These are dollars. Yeah, that's
2: not a position. Yeah. so, yeah, the landscape conservation program uh, that has been, you know, a grant program we've used uh, and, you know, we don't see much of a need more for it. You know, not a lot of landscape in San Francisco. Uh, and so, you know, we will maybe, we'll probably revisit that in the future. We we re, in the area of conservation, we are constantly revisiting all of the things that we do uh, and wanting to make sure we're putting our money into the ones that are got the greatest payoff.
6: Thank you, and then my last question on slide 18, uh, the the and NERC compliance in the transmission line. Those sounded like power projects, but they're in the water budget. Why why is that?
2: They're in the Hetchy water budget, but these things, uh, those two lines, are power funded. So they are. This is where oh. part of yeah. part things are funded by water, part by power, yeah. and part jointly, and so those two lines are power-funded. You'll see that differentiation more clearly in the uh, in the capital program. Yeah,
6: okay,
3: thank you. That's it, thank you.
0: Commissioner Jami.
3: Mr. Rishi, I actually uh, had a question I forgot to ask. Uh, and this might be more um, hypothetical, but... When we start operating our recycling plants, um, do you think the people we end up hiring would be a joint staff between us and wastewater, or is it going to be a water um, position? Like, I'm just wondering how, those, since those are obviously sort of in between the mm-hmm. two enterprises. Um,
2: yeah, in, in it will be it will differ by facility, uh, for the West side, we sorry, West side recycled water, uh, project. Uh, the treatment facility is within the Oceanside plant and will be operated solely by, uh, wastewater staff. Uh, and then the dividing line basically will be as it leaves there and goes through a uh, transmission line up to golden gate park and beyond, uh, that will be operated by water staff because it is a water supply project. Uh, we you know and it's in the operating budget we didn't make any change in it this year we are you know proposing to pay to wastewater a certain amount of fund to actually operate the facility within there Mm -hmm. but it's you know but it's a wastewater facility and so they will uh, be responsible for it in terms of the future with purified water projects uh, the, uh, requirements from the state require, you know, water certified operators to be responsible for that. So we'll be looking at different staffing models, uh, once we get to those kinds of projects, but in your historical non potable, mm-hmm. and that's what wastewater, you know, the West side project is, uh, treatments by wastewater paid for by water and water takes care of the delivery, uh, out to the user.
3: Okay. But but that position is paid by water revenues since the, they're paid people pay to the water.
2: Yeah, the the water operation is paid directly by water revenues. Right. The other side is we will, we are we're working order work ordering money to wastewater Vacewater. to operate Got that it, facility not. when it becomes operational.
3: Okay. And then um, on that uh, table 13 which another thing I wanted to ask I'm totally like blanked on it was THE ITS PROJECT, Um, I'M I'm ASSUMING THAT'S INFORMATION TECHNOLOGY SERVICES, BUT IS THAT CORRECT? Uh,
2: THAT IS CORRECT, Uh, AND THAT IS ONE, YOU KNOW, I CAN ANSWER A LOT OF QUESTIONS, Uh, ACTUALLY, I THINK JENNIFER IS HERE, AND I MIGHT ASK, OR LAURA. EITHER ONE OF YOU.
7: Good morning, everybody. Laura Bush, Deputy CFO. Um, so as you remember from uh, Nancy Holmes' presentation mm-hmm. last Monday, ITS is increasing their budget for various different projects, which Jennifer can can explain. We put those into the budget in a number of different ways. We put them directly into ITS's operating budget. We put some projects into the capital budget. And we ran some projects through programmatic. And the programmatic projects get allocated to the enterprises. So just depending on the type of projects and where it was most suitable to put in the budget, That's where it's appearing, and it's coming up here because the programmatic projects sit within the enterprises. So we allocated a portion of the ITS programmatic projects to each enterprise, so that's why you're seeing the increase here.
3: Don't get me wrong, I'm actually excited to see this, and I'm (laughs) assuming uh, maybe this wasn't a line before, or this is a brand new new. line. This is new. And I think this maybe goes back to what um, uh, Commissioner Stacey mentioned too, and I have mentioned many times, which is, you know, we obviously conventionally from an engineering perspective, we think about, um, you know, hard assets as dams and uh, pipes and pumps that we have to operate. Obviously, we are going more and more need data infrastructure to be able to operate these systems better. Uh, I, I personally call them soft infrastructure because they're not somebody, something that people think about. but we are going to need more and more of that. So it is an important line item, and I want to acknowledge that this has showed up here, and I think I would not be surprised um, this number end up growing because of more data that we need to collect and more analysis that we need to do and a lot of the backbone that we need for that process. Um, So just wanted to highlight that um, in this conversation, and I think that goes also back to our other kind of soft infrastructure or natural infrastructure, which is the watersheds and all that. And I don't think it's a lack of willingness to do it. It's just the way we operate, generally, utilities. It's very, we have very fine lines, how do we bucket things. So um, it makes it sometimes very difficult to account for those assets as infrastructure, but they are. So thank you. Just wanted to ask, thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And, and, and I would we'll, and, and we'll elaborate on that a little bit. Um, we, this, this is just a small piece of ICS's okay. contribution from water, you know, all the bureaus, including ITS, including the others are all funded by the enterprises. And so, uh, I couldn't yes. tell you off the top of my head how much money we're paying for ITS already, but it is insignificant.
3: And I know because you guys have smart meters that right now are collecting all that. But data. We, we, that's we, paying, we, I mean, we you are are have a lot, a lot of, the, of stuff yes.
2: that involves ITS.
3: But I would like to, to be honest with you, Mr. Ritchie. May, maybe this is the conversation, which is, those we right now combine them with other things. I think they need to have their own line items because it's valuable to know how they're changing and growing and evolving. Um, it is good for the, all, every enterprise to be able to track that because I'm assuming this is a growing um, part of the um, each enterprise you know, considering, especially in the last 10, 15 years, so, uh, or even before. Um, so it's kind of like a valuable thing to have that as a line item. I know that's not how we do it, but maybe that's not a bad thing to have.
7: Hi, Nancy Haum, Chief Financial Officer. I do want to emphasize that in this current budget cycle, we have made a, a concerted effort to highlight um, the information technology services budget. So if you might as recall from the first presentation, we had broken that out, and so mm-hmm. this is going to be an ongoing thing that we're doing. Um, our general manager has ensured that we want to invest in our technology infrastructure, and I think, you know, those are all tracked in business services budget, and so we do have an accounting way to look at that, and we do track these items by project. And, again, there, are, there is an operating component, and then there is a capital component,
3: mm-hmm. and so um, we can provide that information to you in the future if you'd like. I would love that. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. That would be great. So thank you. Um, a couple of comments also um, from this commissioner before you move on. I think, as I've said earlier during this process, that um, besides the finance that is you know, necessary during this budget exercise that's going on, there's you know the accoutrements of, of really um, seeing, as, as, as Commissioner Stacy said, you know the organizational charts. What exactly are we doing? You know gets put and emphasized you know, during this exercise as well as the finance. So I want to thank. Um, not just you, Mr. Ritchie, and the department, but all the departments for putting this together. Because I think that, as Commissioner Maxwell says, when people, whether or not they're watching us live on TV, or if they're just, you know, maybe a little sick of the Niners and they're looking for something else to do, if they're if they're coming and taking a look, Mr. Hardeman, Mr. Cedric. Um, but anyway, if they if they're looking, this is actually a, a valuable exercise. You know, for. For us, for us to look, because if, if there's any of the meetings that we have to a month of um, looking at this process just to say, hey, what exactly is going on, it is really helpful. And so that's uh, um, something that I just want to emphasize and, and thank uh, staff for putting that together. I also want to, before you move on, I do want to um, also reiterate what I've said before, and that is, is that the uh, realignment and the temporary to uh, permanent position emphasis as policy, has um, been reemphasized by you, and, and we appreciate that, and I know the workers appreciate that when they're moving forward. Um, uh, I also want to add on, because I actually wasn't going to think of it until Commissioner Maxwell um, put it, I would like to, when it comes to hiring and who does the work in the department, um, in the different departments and enterprises, I, I do would like to hear a follow-up with an emphasis of, you know, really what do we have to, what can we do in-house and what can we do... Um, Is as a contracted out piece because we're we're approving contracts all the time because that's part of the nature of what it takes to do all the work But you know the the fine line between what can be done in-house and boy There's only one other person on earth that can do it and therefore we have to contract it out Um, That is often um, a source of anxiety in the city And I know in particular within the workforce. Hey, I can do that stuff and whatever so I do want to Emphasize and, and I think you've mentioned that in, in terms of other presentations that that will take place I also, um, you know, and, and this is not going to be a question um, I'm trying not to make it a question, but you know as we go through this process here, and I'll be um, Really put a marker down. I'll be really curious that once you guys end up going to the mayor's office and the board of supervisors In the big city budget process, you know, what particularly changes um, as, as you go through this um, This other process we will be looking forward to that Um, also, um, I know that, um, there was a lot of emphasis on one of the, what we'll say the newer facilities. I know Alameda is probably one of the, maybe the third area of the original sources of water. We had our creeks in San Francisco. We had all the stuff down in San Mateo, but Alameda was a a big part early on of, you know, what our sources are. And now this is all being revamped and redone and and, and uh, the cultural aspects are all put in. I want to reemphasize that I think um, a few of us as commissioners have said we'd really love to, you know, um, get out there and take another look to see what the heck is going on with all that wonderful work that we keep hearing about and approving. I think that would be um, emphasized. And I, in particular, one of the older um, places that was brought up and that I'm just going to put a marker down myself, I, I would like to uh, go and see that, you know, post-Civil War era Pilarcitas um Facilities um, which you know again everything has to be maintained over hundreds of years. I would like to um, see that also So um, those are just a couple of comments that I have before you continue. So thank you. And unless the commissioners have any other um, Follow-up questions. Let us uh, mr.. Ritchie. Please continue sure
2: Uh, And I was only sick of the 49ers at 430 yesterday (laughs) Got better after that
0: it did Uh, And and Cedric Hardiman has noticed, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. So let me talk about uh, the capital programs now, uh, because that is a a big element of of what we're talking about. Uh, And the water enterprise capital programs are are really three separate 10-year programs. Uh, There's local water, which is about $1.3 billion, uh, and that is dominated by the uh, replacement of water mains, uh, plus the new yard that we're working on. If you look at that ten years, those are the big uh, spenders in there, or the big areas of expenditure. They're important expenditures. Uh, regional water is about 1.6 billion. That's dominated by water treatment and transmission uh, funding, plus again a new yard there down at Millbrae. Uh, so those are the the big ticket items there. Uh, and Then Hetchy water. Uh, that one and a half billion is dominated by replacement and rehabilitation of aging facilities. It is uh, the biggest driver uh, for our work up there. So how did we develop these capital programs? Uh, well, we started from last year's 10-year CIPs uh, and did various things. We updated project information for scope, schedule and budget. Uh, we identified new priority projects. Uh, In that on those updates and also the deliverability area Uh, We were really closely working with uh, the Infrastructure uh, Bureau uh, To look at those things uh, and emphasize spending down the existing Appropriations and focused on the first two years of the 10-year plan But again, it does need to be a full 10-year plan because we do need to be looking to the future so the result that we believe we've got here is three 10-year deliverable and affordable plans. Uh, and affordability was a big question uh, throughout this process for us. Um, on the local uh, and regional front, uh, what's called the, the Water Enterprise Capital Plans, is about $3 billion. Uh, so those two together come to about $3 billion. Uh, the bar chart on the left uh, shows the red line, which was last year's 10-year plan uh... and then the uh... the bars there uh... going across uh... the dark blue bars part of the bars are the regional projects and the local is the top part of the project uh... you'll see that in the early part of it uh... there is significant uh... expenditure on the local front that's driven largely largely by uh... two thousand Marin and main replacement uh... and the dark blue then starts to pick up uh... being Uh, largely driven by the Milbrae project Uh, so you can see that summary on the right of where the largest drivers were in terms of increases but the increases aren't the whole story and that's what I'll be talking about later. Increases are just an element but some of these have been funded uh, for a while and have been in the project and the program for a while and they're starting to come to fruition. On the Hetchy side, the plan has also grown by about 550, $557 million, and most of the growth, growth is in power assets. Uh, and when we say power, we mean the power assets and the power portion of the joint assets uh, as well. So uh, a lot of spending on the power side. Uh, so you see there, again, that red line. Uh, what you saw was, you know, the numbers coming down over time because there were projects which we really hadn't uh, you know, realized uh, in the future part of the program. So the yellow is the water portion, the green is the power portion, and the purple is the joint portion. Uh, and those three big bars out there in 30, 31, and 32, uh, that is the Moxon Penstocks project, uh, which has had a major increase, and I'll talk about that project later. Uh, But that is a very, very important joint project that we are getting. We are embarking on right now, Uh, but there are various other projects uh, that we've got to be uh, doing over time, San Joaquin pipeline valve replacements, uh, buildings. Uh, Here you see transmission line clearances. You know, there was the money there, there. was a small amount of money in the programmatic but there's larger money here. This is for actually physical changing of lines where we need to make, improve the clearances. And so this is a, a big part of our program. So getting to the the, the, the specific details on the local water capital program, uh, main replacement is a big piece of that. Uh, it's about $604 million over the 10 years, which is you know a little more than half of the uh, Of the budget of the capital budget Uh, local water conveyance distribution which is that's longhand for main replacement Uh, this is our bread-and-butter main replacement program is about 517 million uh, and that's where we get to set all of the priorities the local water conveyance joint transit our projects that we're doing jointly with MTA so there's about 33 million dollars there and Piping for the potable emergency firefighting water system is about 54 million dollars. So all of those are new pipes under the streets, uh, and they collectively add up to about 604 million dollars. And you can see those photos there of you know the type of work that goes on on an everyday basis uh, in the streets of San Francisco. Uh, the next slide, uh, we talked about the new CDD headquarters at 2000 Marin. We are beginning construction on that project. Uh, the, I, I say late 2024 here, what I've been told is August of 2024. So I'm hedging my bets a little bit, uh, as far as actual start, but we expect to start this year, uh, on actual construction there, uh, in the 10 year plan, there's $343 million, uh, but there's <clears throat> Excuse me. There, all, there is already appropriated fifty million dollars because it's roughly a four hundred million dollar project for doing this complete new yard, uh, and that's what you see below. Uh, is a rendering of what the uh, what the facility is looking like. Uh, the large structure in the front is a parking structure, and then on the upper left uh, of that, or upper to the right of it a little bit is the administration building and some of the start of the shops and then shop facilities all around that. Uh, so it's a, a nice compact, relatively compact, but you know we think uh, it's gonna be a nice area uh, for the employees to work in and will be good for another 50 to 100 years. Uh, so this is a big project for us here in the city. Um, another of the local water capital program highlights Uh, Is a project that has been underway for a couple of years now, and that is eliminating all the last traces of lead uh, in our system. Uh, We call it the Lead Component Services Program. Uh, And that diagram to the left shows the piping that comes into people's houses from a water main. Uh, And if you see in the lower left, there's a little red strip called a gooseneck or a pigtail. And that's what you see there on the right. Uh, That was what plumbers used to use because you had hard fixed pipes Uh, And Then you had to make the connection and so lead because it's very soft you could twist it and bend it and make it fit And so those are the bad guys we're looking for now We don't think there are that many of them But we have a few that are unknown that we're out there right now actually digging up the streets and looking and finding if there's anything there that needs to be replaced and replacing it Uh, So that program uh, is well underway and hopefully we'll be knocking out that chunk of lead uh, soon Uh, Sort of precursing the future uh, we may end up getting into the uh, Property side under different state or federal regulations that come on That's that's an area that uh, in various parts of the country Historic well, that's everywhere historically the you know our service stops at the meter uh, but there's more and more pressure to take care of it at least up to the house uh, or a residence or building or whatever it is uh, because that's where you can have older and particularly inside buildings is where you may have older plumbing that uh, is still a problem. On the regional front, uh, there's the Millbury Yard Campus improvements. That project is just getting really rolling now. Uh, it's probably about a $411 million project in the 10-year plan, uh, and this is really driven by a variety of things. One is that our water quality division and parts of our uh, natural resources division and water supply and treatment division are housed in a building in Burlingame on Rollins Road uh, that you know we we've been tenants in for a long time and ended up acquiring because the uh, owners you know were leaving the business uh but it's seismically unsafe uh, and we need to relocate out of that building so the biggest driver here the one of the biggest drivers is having to relocate people out of rollins road uh, the second big driver is our water quality lab in the Milbraith, uh admin building uh, it is outdated and this is a, a constant area of change in terms of uh, analytical techniques uh, and so that on the uh, layout there on the right you see at the top there a new lab and office building Uh, that would be uh, the first big component of this. Um, We have a shops building that is unsafe and unusable it it didn't even merit including on the diagram because we don't let people in it anymore uh, because it's really unsafe. It's there between the existing auto shop and warehouse and what will become the natural resources and lands management shop that building is unsafe and so uh, we are looking at taking the uh, existing Osh building, which is their tenant of ours. Their lease is expiring, and we want to take over that building and relocate uh, a lot of our shops uh, into that building. Uh, and then, as we do this, uh, we also then uh, want to be able to take care of a number of temporary outbuildings. There's trailers. There's an old cottage. Uh, there's a lot of uh, storage containers scattered around the yard. Uh, relocate those into these Uh, and then the last step in terms of phasing would be rehabilitating the existing administration building it was built in the 80s it still has some good life in it and we think we can rehabilitate that and make a very much improved workspace for for everybody there uh, and have all of our staff uh, on the peninsula area located in uh, one yard here so this is the the regional companion to the 2000 Marin project Um, another activity on the regional front, uh, are three projects at the snow Valley water treatment plant, uh, in the 10 year project, they collectively add up to about $175 million in the 10 year plan where 190 million has already been appropriated. So they don't show up as a big increase, but these are big projects, uh, for us. Uh, so the ozone treatment project is the single biggest one of that. Uh, which has 107 in the 10-year plan and 145 million that's been previously appropriated that project Uh, we just got bids in the project I'm not sure what the answer is on that uh, but that's something we're looking at right now is okay this project is is finally ready to go and it's an important one for the control of taste and odor and also has very positive benefits for disinfection byproducts as well Uh, we also have additional improvements Uh, At the snow treatment plant we've actually done a lot more at Harry Tracy But snow hasn't really been done to the same extent and so we have short-term improvements uh, That would be another 78 million dollars and long-term improvements a little further out for another 35 million dollars So the snow treatment plant will get a lot of attention in this next 10 years Uh, Another one and uh, I didn't include pictures of the pipelines, and I apologize for the, for the acronyms here, uh, but these are really long ones, so I will just re- recite them for you. We actually have five major transmission main projects, about $196 million collectively in construction in the next four years. Uh, Bay division pipelines one through four lining repair, because we have four pipelines, and uh, we have a new one in the fifth, but that doesn't need repair now. That's a WSIP project. Uh, they need repair. Uh, replacement of some of the Bay Division pipeline pre-stressed concrete cylinder pipe. Uh, this is an older type of pipe uh, that has shown itself to be prone to uh, explosive failures from time to time, uh, and we've experienced a couple of those in our system. And so we're gradually moving around to get rid of all that kind of pipe. And this is just another step in that process. Uh, we also have a Union Pacific Railroad crossing for Bay Division Pipelines 3 and 4 uh, that we have to upgrade uh, for about $18 million. Uh, And then Crystal Springs Pipeline number 2, uh, a number of reaches that were not covered in the WISIP program. Several were, but some were not. And this is taking care of those that were not uh, uh, improved during the WISIP program. So, again... Collectively, on these five projects, about 196 million dollars worth of construction beginning in the next four years. So these projects are are finally ready to go. Um, on alternative water supply projects, uh, we have three categories that I'm going to highlight here. First is the Daly City recycled water project. I don't have a diagram of that on, uh, on the slide here, uh, but that is. Uh, expanding the recycled water capability at Daly City's plant so that we can deliver recycled water in conjunction with California Water Service to the cemeteries in Colma uh, and take them off of the groundwater system so we can have better control of the groundwater system for us and have a more appropriate type of water for irrigation of grass there. Uh, The Los Vaqueros Reservoir Expansion Project Uh, the diagram on the left uh, it's a reservoir in the Contra Costa water district service area that is being expanded Uh, this project um, I said a couple of times I'll say again this is institutionally the most complex project that we're dealing with it involves eight partners uh, from other agencies who are all part of this uh, and you know kind of the the technical issues are frankly easy the institutional issues about who gets what and who controls what and how that works out uh, is a bit harder, uh, and we're working through that now. And um, you know, we have it in the ten-year budget. Uh, I will say you know, on the record here that you know, at this point in time, we think we should be a part of that, but the final decision isn't going to be for another few months, uh, and the answer may come out that. It's not worth it to us and we should not be part of this project we're happy to plan and help and really analyze but you know we're going to get to the decision point in the near future and it'll be a, an important decision for the Commission to make uh, and then lastly uh, we have purified water projects in development and I know that was a discussion a bit at the last commission meeting uh, we are working on Four purified water projects. When I say purified water, that means you know converting water, wastewater to drinking water. Uh, and uh, the one on the right, the figure on the right, shows one of those. Uh, that is the you know, Pure Water Peninsula project, where we are working with the city of San Mateo and Silicon Valley Clean Water, which is the Redwood Shores area, uh, with those two wastewater treatment plants. Uh, To come up with an advanced water treatment facility that the water could be used either for indirect or direct potable reuse Uh, Both options are on the table Uh, There's a lot of folks who are interested in participating in that there's a lot of good energy there Uh, We all know that uh, You know we have to do a lot of good strong public outreach, you know before during and after delivery of purified water because there will be you know some concerns in the public and we need to manage that public expectation uh so that's that's one uh one of the projects we're working on uh we are also working uh in fremont with the alameda county water district and union sanitary district on a similar project uh, over there again trying to figure out if it's better to treat wastewater and put it into their groundwater <coughs> basin there or uh, have them do direct delivery or have it come into our system so all those options are on the table uh, as a way to advance there uh, that project is moving a little slower than this one uh, that I pointed out earlier uh, and the third in the region is working with uh, San Jose and Santa Clara uh, and this is a project that we are uh, doing jointly with them I think the Commission approved uh, last year and uh, an MOU among the three of us to begin the initial planning on that Uh, and that project uh, uh, could take advantage of the San Jose Santa Clara wastewater plant effluent there uh, for production of purified water Um, the uh, uh, the the work there uh, may involve work with Valley Water Valley Water uh, Santa Clara Valley Water District uh, has been uh, visibly active in this area um, they're still away from actually doing anything, uh, and that's something that we're keeping track of. Uh, you know, we've partnered with them on some things in the past, but uh, uh, you know, partners are, are different. Partners are a little more challenging than others, uh, so we're going to see how that uh, evolves over time. Um, but the last thing I want to mention is. Uh, working on direct uh, collaboration with Wastewater Enterprise uh, on a project uh, that would be in San Francisco. We actually had a report done uh, about a year ago uh, that had two purified water projects in San Francisco, one on the west side and one on the east side, to make sure that there were no complaints that somebody else is getting better water than us, that we're all getting the same kind of water, and it's all really good water. Um, and so we'll be working with wastewater on those uh, and one of the key questions that we actually just uh, had a discussion on uh, last Friday afternoon uh, that had been uh, a while is how will that purified water project uh, work in confluence with nutrient management Uh, and um, it's not there's not an obvious answer there but there's a lot of things worth exploring so we may be able to come up with an answer that is better as I I think somebody said in the meeting, it's like, well, if it would cost a billion dollars for nutrients and a billion dollars for purified water, and if we can do something together that only costs a billion and a half, that sounds like a win. I said, you bet that sounds like a win. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the goal we have to be thinking about here, not, not what's yours and what's mine, but how do we have a better overall project that is more cost-effective? So a lot of work going on in those areas, but they are all still in the planning uh, arena. Uh, moving up to the Hetchy side, uh, starting with the projects that are actually in construction right now, uh, the mountain tunneled improvements So folks, folks have all taken uh, tours up there to see that. Uh, that project is progressing. Uh, we may have some changes coming forward on that uh, to bring to the commission, but you know right now we're still progressing uh, quite well on a lot of the different activities. the, the shaft and the uh, added access uh, and the repairs are really moving pretty well. Uh, moccasin powerhouse projects, uh, the replacement of the uh, uh, two generators there. Um, you know the the two photos on the left are are of the generator replacement project, one pulling out the guts of the old generator, and the middle one there is kind of what it looks like inside the the surroundings of a, a generator uh, as it's uh, finally exposed. Um, those projects are really important because all of the drinking water of san francisco actually goes through the Moxon powerhouse so getting these facilities in shape is good this project we're looking to be at substantial completion during this shutdown of the hetchy system for the first unit uh, and then we'll be doing the second unit during next year's shutdown uh, so we can make sure we get that uh, fully operational again uh, and then the san joaquin pipeline valve and safe entry project Uh, that's a a, a photo on the right of that basically what this involves is you know to make sure that you can get into a pipeline safely Uh, oftentimes what you need to do is have a double set of valves what we've come up with is a solution where uh, basically if we're going to take a pipeline out of operation we have uh, a spool piece that we can take out making a hard you know, disconnect from the water system, so there's no risk to anybody doing work. So you actually install it, but make it so it's easy to take out, take it out, then you can work on it safely, drop it back in. Uh, and I've seen some of these being put together and it's it's looking great uh, right now. So that's, a, that's an important project for us. Um, seven other major projects are going into construction in the next five years. Again, this one's a list just like there was in the regional side that we have a lot of projects going into construction, uh, the San Joaquin pipeline, uh, valve remote control project. That's just, you know, improving, uh, control of their valves, uh, the Moxon Switchyard rehabilitation. That's the switchyard that's adjacent to Moxon uh, powerhouse, uh, that needs to be rehabilitated, uh, the transmission lines, clearance mitigation, that's taking out, branches and trees and potentially buildings that have impeded where they don't belong too close to power lines. Uh, The Cherry Eleanor pumps are two pumps that allow us to pump water from one reservoir to the other, which improves our ability to generate hydropower. Uh, So this is an important power generation project. Um, Canyon Tunnel, uh, we have some repairs at the Hetch Hetch Yadit, uh, and we're just getting ready to kick that project off. We're getting through the environmental period now. Uh, and we have two building projects up there as well. Uh, the Mox Engineering and Records Building, which are old, uh, you know, basically old trailers uh, that have been in use for a long time and are starting to decompose, uh, and a new Moxon Warehouse Building. Uh, so those are similar, but not as complete a scope uh, as the two uh, yard projects down here. But all these are really getting ready to go into construction in the next few years. Uh, and they saved the biggest one for last uh, on the Hetchy front, uh, the moccasin-penstocks placement or replacement project uh, at about $322 million. Uh, it's a very large critical project because, again, this is, these are pipelines that take the water uh, down the hillside and through the moccasin powerhouse, so they are essential to the delivery of water to San Francisco. Uh, these had been classified as power, but uh, as we did with a couple of other projects, we agreed with our wholesale customers that we could actually classify these as joint, having the water revenues paying for a, a larger proportion of it. Uh, and that's been a, a good step for us uh, in terms of being able to move forward. Uh, the penstocks were constructed in 1925, so they're basically 100 years old. And you can see uh, this is up at the top, where there, if you know the configuration, there are two pipelines at the top, and then four coming down the mountainside and two at the bottom. And that's because there were four uh, generators originally, and then when they modernized it with new equipment, there were two generators, and so that's we're having two. So this is the two section, uh, and you can see just on inspection that they kind of get worn uh, on the hillside. Uh, this isn't the, this is, the, the technical evaluation is a lot more than looking at this picture and saying, ew, that looks ugly. Uh, no, we've been doing a lot of detailed work uh, because people were really hopeful that rehabilitation would be a better solution and a cheaper solution. Uh, and everybody has concluded that no, replacement is going to be better off. And we've looked at a lot of different replacement options. Uh, they're being considered. They all have very similar costs. So there's a leading candidate right now that involves building a deep shaft uh, and then a tunnel from that shaft. Uh, Which is you know, what's done in various other hydropower facilities around the world? Uh, That looks like the leading candidate Maybe we end up with that but we're just getting into the finalizing what we think the best alternative is so we can move forward Uh, But this project again uh, It's in a critical space in our system and it's it's really old Just like many other things and that's why we need to move forward on this project now So that is The once-over. Happy to answer any questions on those or other projects or any follow-up that's necessary.
0: Well, thank you very much again, Mr. Ritchie, um, for that overview um, of setting up the budget. Um, I just got back from New York, and and I was reminded of a, and I'll probably uh, butcher it, an old axiom that said sometimes cities are better known for, uh, you know, unfortunately what they Tear down and get rid of, as opposed to what they keep and and, and restore, and, uh, and and it's sort of a little bit of a summary of what we just saw right now. Because I just remember we were up in uh, we were up in um, Moccasin. I think all of us you know, had a chance to go up to Moccasin and uh, see the tunnel last time around. And I know that when we were at the. Uh, um, we went to see the mountain tunnels and when we were at the uh, power plant, we looked down and we all took those nice uh, postcard pictures of the penstocks when we were there and, and of course since then we've uh, realized that not only do we um, you know, have to upgrade the hundred-year-old uh, infrastructure at the tunnel. But we're now we're at the point where it's like because of the diligence that is that this department has that the penstocks are actually going to have to be whacked on and fixed also in order to make sure that uh, we keep up to the 20th century. And so I, I'm just sort of recognizing that there's sort of amalgam. Um, of that, of that old phrase, and that is, is that you know, it's not one or the other. It's like, what do we really need to do to in, to invest in our infrastructure and make sure that our resources, in this case, water, is is going to be available to all San Franciscans? And that's what I see. And your report is, you know, pretty much. Uh, summarized you know all the stuff that we're doing and it's really you know good to hear it and to see it all there because that's what we do as commissioners you know all year is look at you know your reports on what's going on and and uh and it's our responsibility to approve you know what it what the taxpayers have approved to take to to fix stuff so i just want to say a a general thank you for letting us know what this all is that's another um, good thing that we get to see during the course of the budgeting that is going on so that uh, pontification done, um, uh, Commissioner Jami. Questions.
3: Thank you, Mr. RICCI. I think um, maybe I'll start from slide twenty-three. You're um, talking about the main replacement. Uh, you had a bullet point there on local water conveyance joint transit. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I was, just, uh, I'm very curious. Um, um, how that partnership? Sure.
2: Is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we, um, you know, the local water conveyance distribution. Mm-hmm. We get to set all the priorities, and so the, that's where we're trying to make sure that we're doing what's most most important for protection of the water system. Uh, the joint projects with basically with MTA uh, are projects that you know MTA has a project that they have funding for and they mm-hmm. need to do for some reason uh, and uh the you know the the pipes underneath uh and around uh those those things are you know that's the time to replace them uh so both we and wastewater have to do that you know the 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 biggest of all those was van Mm s that was that was everything for everybody uh and very frankly that one wasn't planned as well as it should be and ran into various troubles Uh, so these are ones where we have to work really closely with MTA to make sure that uh, we are all on the same page uh, and the contracts are all aligned uh, and the management is aligned so uh, they take a lot of work and it is it's a smaller portion of it but these projects do come up and you know, they become a priority for us, even if they might not normally be a priority for us because this is a a once in a generation opportunity to replace uh, those kinds of facilities.
3: And um, thank you for that elaboration. I'm wondering, do we have, how does that communication happen? Do we have like a process set up that when they are trying to, for example, do a major project in one of the arteries in the city, Somebody talks to someone, and they let us know. I'm just wondering what the process is on that.
2: Yeah, we run into people on the street, and you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, a little bit more thoughtful than that. And I was going to look to Steve or Katie, though.
3: Sure.
8: Uh, thank you, commissioners, for that question. Um, we've been working on this for the last decade, really, and started coordinating. The wastewater program had a need to coordinate with uh, public works. TO ASSURE THAT WASTEWATER PIPES WERE BEING REPLACED BEFORE THE STREET PAVING PROGRAM. SO WE STARTED A VERY CLOSE uh, COLLABORATION THAT STARTED WITH OUR GM'S AND THEN DOWN TO STAFF LEVEL WHERE WE MET MONTHLY AND TALKED ABOUT BEST WAY TO COORDINATE THESE PROJECTS. Uh, SOME OF THEM WE DECIDED TO CONTRACT TOGETHER. OTHER ONES WE DECIDED THAT WATER AND WASTEWATER WOULD GO FIRST AND THE paving WOULD COME BEHIND. Um, then more recently our court, our collaboration has expanded to include MTA. AND uh, VAN NESS WAS ONE OF THOSE PROJECTS WHERE uh, WE COORDINATED BUT NOT AS SUCCESSFULLY AS WE HAD PREVIOUSLY DONE WITH uh, PUBLIC WORKS. WE LEARNED A LOT FROM THAT. A COUPLE MORE RECENT, um, VERY SUCCESSFUL COLLABORATIONS THAT YOU DON'T HEAR MUCH ABOUT BECAUSE THEY WENT REALLY WELL IS TERRAVAL. Mm -hmm. WE HAD TERRAVAL A AND TERRAVAL B. Um, THEY ARE NOW, THE WATER and, AND THE SEWER PIPES ARE COMPLETELY REPLACED And they are doing the track replacement, and that was all um, coordinated much more successfully. And then uh, Geary has been happening in three phases. Uh, The first two phases, which are complete and went very well for those, we use separate contracts. Um, And then um, 19th Avenue was uh, coordinated with Caltrans, and you didn't hear much about that, but we got a significant portion of water and, and sewer mains replaced along 19th Avenue. So what we've realized it takes is close coordination on collaboration on all levels. Um, uh, AGM Robinson meets with MTA regularly and uh, public works uh, down to staff level down to weekly meetings um, with on the construction sites with our staff participating as resident engineers and inspectors on site. So the close collaboration um, has been very successful for us.
3: I mean, I, I love these kind of projects. They're definitely, and I appreciate you highlighting what. Often, I remind people like what you hear here. Uh, it's not always the success stories, but we have a lot of uh, on a daily basis. We are running these um, place, um, you know, in ship shape, so nobody really um, gets to experience um, some of the issues that might come up in these things. But one thing I want to say is, uh, it. The process is super important, as you highlighted, and I think the redundancy in the process is super important. You know, because individuals come and go, but you want to make sure you have institutionalized these kind of engagements in a way that if somebody retires, if somebody leaves the job, like you don't end up sort of have a broken uh, process, right? So, I'm I'm assuming there are those redundancies sort of being placed um, to make this happen.
0: Yeah, okay, my turn. Um, uh, thank you, Stephen Robinson, Assistant General Manager for Infrastructure. Um, yeah, thank you, Katie. The, the kind of conversations we're having with MTN Public Works certainly at our level, and then as that trickles down, is to do exactly what you're describing and put some kind of an agreement, perhaps an MOU in place, that talks about how do we communicate, how do we partner, what would uh, be a typical project, that we can put some protocols in place, and then when would there be a variance to that? How would we take a unique situation and do something separate for it, so we can be very clear.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the, the clarification. Um, okay. So then I have. Um, I also want to acknowledge, Mr. Ritchie. You brought up the, the on slide twenty-two, um, a few of the major uh, and twenty-one, a few of the major capital projects that needs attention. And I can see our um, eighteen sixty-six dam is uh, needs a lot of attention. Obviously. Um, but it is it is quite impressive to see how we are still operating and maintaining that system. So that's really great. Um, my next set of questions goes to slide um, 29. A um, couple of things. I want to say I appreciate your candidness with the Las Vegas reservoir expansion because personally I would prefer we spend the money and the time to make sure we have every, everything lined up rather than getting into something and then um, coming out on the other side uh, with not much of a success story so thank you for your diligence to making sure that you know the institutional uh, setup is uh, well, well set up, and we have the right things in place. And I think in the water sector, obviously, and every, every one of these resource management sectors, we are dealing with a lot of institutional issues and public policy issues rather than just um, technical issues.
2: Yeah. And if, I'm, if I may yes, say, please. I'm, I'm just the front person. We have yes. a lot of staff who are engaged on these, uh, these projects as on every other project. Of course. Uh, so they're the ones who are they're the ones who are really doing that work, right? And I appreciate you highlighting diligence. that.
3: Obviously, we recognize the amazing staff that we have in the in every enterprise, especially the water enterprise. Um, so um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the purified water project, and I just want to put this out there because for a city that has sort of um, been innovative in the front of on-site reuse it is always reminding me that these purified water projects, while great, it still reemphasizes the model that we have, which is treat water to the highest quality, bring it to people's homes, then they can flush it down their toilets. So, which is not a very efficient way of using um, our resources. Um, And I would say it requires a lot of, uh, another thing I would say is Obviously, the technology is there. The water that's purified, it is absolutely high quality. No doubt in that. It's basically people like desalination. I always remind them it's the same technology. You just use it for a different purpose. Um, so the water that's treated is obviously super high quality. but that is why it kind of gives me pause when we are thinking about let's build another major. And I know you are not thinking about it, but I would like to bring this up because I think it's important. Um, let's build another major recycling plant and then bring water to people. Then they can do whatever activity they do on their daily basis. Um, we talked about affordability ahead of time, which is super important. And people often do not realize the biggest cost to afford or the problem to affordability is investing in projects that might not even have um enough customers at the end of it right if we people start using less water if we oversize these systems and then not have enough customers to buy them they can actually lead into um underutilized capacity that then somebody has to pay for it and that means that everybody will be on the hook to pay for the building operation and maintenance of these systems. so it's very very important to um to think about this right sizing these projects. And again, I I do say that I have had a lot of conversations with you and I know you, you, you are on top of this, but I would like to bring this up because again, this is a public setting and people might be listening. And I think it's important for them to know how um how much time and effort goes into these decision-making process by the staff to make sure we don't end up investing in the right project wrong projects or invest in the right project uh, on the right projects so um it is very important when you're talking about these whole purified water systems we don't end up again Perpetuating the same model over and over, building major centralized systems that we can't—you know—they need—they uh, need to be like, they constantly um, bring the that qual- high-quality water. It costs a lot more um, because you have to use energy, resources, treat it, and bring it to people. Um, so one thing. And then another thing is you brought this up. And I think it's important because people don't realize there is a big major component, which is a brine management, we also deal with that for our on-site reuse systems. And um, somebody has to deal with whatever is treated and left behind. And I do not think people uh, need to realize or and I don't even think we have all the right solutions for that yet in place. Um, so, um so I would like to maybe give you a chance to comment on the purified water supply first, and then also discussing the brine management a little bit in more details. And I would like to see if we can touch a little bit on also on these on-site reuse systems that we have um, on the operation side of it, on the brine management side of it, um, and where do you think the right line is? Because I know, I know I know there's no perfect answer to that, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But I think it is important when you're talking about our capital investment to think about these things because obviously has a lot of implications for the future.
2: Yeah, it certainly does, uh, and I think the the concept of the, the whole concept of one water, thinking about it across you know different lines and you know the you know the same solution doesn't work everywhere uh and that is absolutely true uh in the water business um yeah and i think that is something that we are very concerned about uh is that uh you know we need to make sure that the, the set of solutions we come up with is right sized for our circumstance which is as know retailer in San Francisco and a wholesaler outside of San Francisco we need to be thinking about both of those arenas uh, as we move forward here Uh, and the answers won't be the same that's part of why I said you know we're looking at four different uh, purified water projects right now uh, and I I doubt that we will do all of those uh, because you know the circumstances won't call for it Um, one of the things uh, you mentioned is, is dealing with brine, uh, and even dealing with, you know, it's easy to, you know, people have talked about nutrients. Oh yeah, we'll take care of nutrients. We recycle water. We'll take care of nutrients, recycled water, doesn't take care of nutrients by itself. There's still residual someplace. Uh, and so how you do it and where you do it really is an important question to answer I think that's one of the reasons some of the wastewater programs uh, Around the Bay are interested in They're They're seeing these nutrient and other regulations coming and they're trying to think of you know, if we can link up with this kind of project, maybe we can come up with a better solution. I think that's why Silicon Valley clean water is very actively interested. And they're thinking that way. Uh, on the other side, Union Sanitary District is actually worried about all these new regulations and they might have to pay for a lot of other things. So gee, should they be paying for into into a part of this? These are these are questions everybody has. And the answers are not simple and obvious. Uh, by any means. In fact, I saw a table the other day about uh, Palo Alto's recycled water for drinking water purposes, and there was a column that said, you know, concerns, and the answer to the question was brine, and the question was, do we do we need an ocean outfall for brine? Well, an ocean outfall from Palo Alto is a long mm-hmm. pipeline, uh, yeah. so... You know those questions are, are out there people are trying to answer them and know that if you don't come up with a good answer the projects not going to be cost-effective it's just not going to work because it's not going to really solve the problem um, so uh, and on on-site stuff I, I think you know Paula and her staff have really been out there on that and really pushing on that and looking at different opportunities and uh, and we think that that can work in a lot of places It doesn't work everywhere Uh, And you've got to actually think about uh, a number of the side effects of reusing water Uh In a building, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know uh, A a classic example that we run into and I'm not sure what the solution will ever be is Plumbing is built to a certain size Well when you stop bringing in less water all of a sudden the water quality starts to change because the water is aging and it's not flushing through the pipes as much uh, and it was a great idea to recycle all that water But all of a sudden the the main plumbing isn't working as as was intended to uh, So that's a technical consideration that needs to be there uh, I'm, you know, it, it's 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 a, it's a little easier to list all the problems than the solutions uh, Because again, they will probably be different in different places, but they all need to be thought about uh, and carefully considered Uh, for recommendations for real projects as they come forward.
3: And I just want to highlight that these are the projects that actually challenge us to be more system-level thinkers, you know, how all these different pieces kind of come together. It's not just, as you highlighted, it's not just one thing, it's many things along the way. And also the regulatory requirements of managing the bay and how the effluent that's put out there is going to change is going to be dictating a lot of the operational processes to, which we still don't have a handle on, because I don't even think the water board or regional boards are, have a handle on it. Um, so I think these are all very important um, questions, but they're not that we don't have an answer for. Um, again, I also want to say, since you brought up um, the water um, department, I think the uh, Miss Kehoe and her team, I think Honestly, like the work that they have done on on-site reuse have been exemplary. Uh, we have led that effort. Everybody talks about San Francisco as a leader in that. I, it's definitely a um, it is a, it's definitely a I, I personally take it with a lot of pride to go to meetings and hear um, how you're always mentioned as a leader in that. So I want to acknowledge that how we have led that effort in the US and um, uh, internationally. So thanks for highlighting that. Um, that, that. That's about it. Thank you so much for that. Um, Thank you. Mr. Ritchie. I have Ritchie. no more.
0: Have, I'm done. Thank you. Commissioner Maxwell.
3: Thank you. Um,
4: on 2000 Marin, mm-hmm. what are some of the innovative components of that building? What should we be excited about? Come on, stop laughing, would.
2: Uh, well, I'm thinking about all the problems in the existing yard that we're going to eliminate, and and those are exciting, <laughs> you know, um, in terms of new and different things. Uh, actually, I would, I would rather than try to answer that here. I would suggest that you know maybe we give the the commission a briefing on that project. Well, that would be point. good,
4: but I I'd like uh, two things. I mean, this is we're doing the budget. We're about to spend money for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are a couple of things that we should be looking forward to?
2: Well, uh, I think one of the key things there is the uh, the community of the workforce. Uh, The layout there is really conducive to it being a larger community as opposed to you know, I have to take a half a day hike to get out to the shop way off here in the corner. No, I'm, I'm part of that. And I'm, I'm crossing paths with people and, on a regular basis. So even just that simple thing. And in fact, uh, that slide that I showed, showed the parking around the outside. The original plan had the parking inside of the building, uh, footprint, uh, and our consultants pointed out to us something very obvious. Well, you're going to have people driving around where people are walking, and that is actually unsafe. And you're going to disrupt the idea of promoting that kind of uh, connectivity. So, so that that's that simple change, you know, was, I think was an important one, uh, the facilities that we're looking at, uh, yeah, these will be all modern, up to date, uh, you know, facilities for. Uh, our, 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 our trades you know the the plumbing shop uh the auto shop um all of those are going to have uh you know the latest equipment in them to be able to do the right thing that's where the conversation about hydrogen has started mm-hmm. gee do we need to be ready for hydrogen here uh and how much space do you need and is that doable here do we need to have a shared facility someplace else Uh, those are the things, those are the questions we have to answer, uh, and have a clear plan for, which might mean we have a hydrogen station at 2000 Marin, or it might mean that we do it someplace else. Uh, and I don't know where the someplace else might actually be, but knowing that we're going to need to be prepared for that and making sure our plan accommodates. That is the most important step we can do right now.
4: Of course, there's solar on the rooftops.
2: Um, I think we're, lo- we're, we're looking at, on that at, at that in part. Uh, that is something that I don't, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head if that is. I hope it is, uh, but I think that's something we'll be looking at.
4: Steve says yes, it is. That's good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and then regarding our um, wastewater and the, and the purified and desalination, um, our public engagement. I hear you talking about that. And um, so is there, what do we have, what are we doing? Is, is, is some of that in our budget? Because we need to start doing it now.
2: Yeah, um, it, it is in our budget. Actually for the Purified Water Project, we have started to take the initial steps here, uh, which is actually we ran focus groups of our own staff, people who I guess we would consider you know, somewhat informed Uh, About issues and trying to see what kind of reactions we get there Uh, and we've got not only our staff uh, But some highly qualified consultants who dealt with these issues in other areas as well working closely with them and That is going to be part of I think I I don't recall the exact amounts we have in there for the San Francisco purified water project But that is a component of the budget for those to make sure that uh, and when we all Anybody who's been in in business for a while recognizes that if you don't start uh, An outreach program early and maintain it all the way through and beyond uh, The starting point your projects going to fail
4: So as part of our ten-year budget uh, Two-year budget plan and ten-year budget uh, Dealing with public engagement. Yes, and just perfect. Thank you
0: Commissioner Jami Uh, Mr.
3: Ricci, I wanted to actually, um, one thing that I took a note earlier and it sort of came up with the ITS discussion and and I didn't see in this part. I was wondering if there is a way for the next time we are having this conversation, if we can sort of think about how um, we can think about natural assets or green assets that we have and also the information, technology, and data assets that we have as... as sort of line items that we can think about, do we need capital investment in them? How do they work? You know, sort of, I wonder what it takes to kind of re tag them, uh, possibly, um, to make sure they do show up, um, in different ways in our, um, capital project.
2: Well, the, the watershed, our, our watersheds are, are huge, single biggest right. green assets. Uh, so the capital program has a watershed component of that uh, that there are various items there uh, It's part of the programmatic uh, effort. It's also uh, in the operating budget uh, again, that's that's the primary activity of the natural resources and lands management division Together with some others to some extent, but that's really their bread and butter said so that, that whole division is really focused uh... towards that uh... in a big way so i think there are lots of ways we can see that in the budget we could call it out a little differently to you know okay. present that but that is a, a big deal for us i do
3: acknowledge it's on the operating budget for sure i was just wondering if there's a way we can uh, because i know you guys do a lot more than just i mean you operate and maintain those there are also uh... we do um, um prescribed burn we do a lot of different activities in those mm-hmm. to make sure they're in healthy se- conditions um but i'm assuming there are also certain investments that we can we need to do beyond just the operational
2: part yeah well, so, it's, it's operating and capital as well right. it's, it's mm-hmm. not just you know yes. look at look at things and say oh, okay it's doing good actually um, a big deal we've been going through the last couple of years is removing a lot of non-native trees from okay. the peninsula watershed uh, and that, does
3: that show up in the capital? I didn't it, see that. That, that
2: does not show up in okay. capital.
3: So that's what I was thinking. Like, is, And I don't want to like for us to, actually I do want for us to rethink how we do that just because I want to make sure we have enough resources for those capital investments beyond just operational costs that there is just because we, we're going to depend on them more and more as we move forward and we might have more issues. So just, um, just. Will be great if you can think about it. And it
2: is not the only area where we have those issues. Yes,
3: yes, I am sure. So as the, um, I know every one of those, uh, one of the areas that we have has the data and information technology and data and uh, the whole ITS as part of it. And I'm, I know that a lot of work happens there. But I wonder if also to make sure we have enough resources to invest in those kind of infrastructure. We can put them as an item that it separately has its own capital and operational um, uh, sort of allocation um, to make sure we have. Ma- I mean, I know we are making enough investment, but it's important to call them out to make sure people know what we are investing in.
0: Thank you. Commissioners, any other questions, comments for Mr. Ritchie? Mr. Ritchie, thank you. Thank you. We will now open up this item to public comment. Donna,
1: do we have any members of the public present for comment on item four A?
0: See Miss Sankula. Welcome.
7: Good morning, Commissioners. Nicole Sankula Bosca, CEO. Um, did pass this to uh, the commission secretary so you'll have a copy of it, just because you have a short time. Um, I am pleased to see that you have included a robust list of projects and programs as part of this ten-year CIP, and we do support the proposed budget for both the Water Enterprise and the Hetch Hetchy Enterprise. I think that's important for me to state. Um, A couple issues that I want to call to your attention for you to think about, Um, there is some known project delivery issues that continue to impact the implementation of CIP projects. Um, This is called out in several of the project sheets, you know, that there's delays because of a staffing issue. You know about this, Um, and the PUC's uh, new capital planning improvements initiative led by Deputy General Manager Ron Flynn has been working to identify how to address this. As your largest customer, we would like to be more closely involved in that effort. And I also think it would be important for metrics to be included in it for the commission so that there's a way for you to track on an ongoing basis how is it doing. Um, And I think that would be an important piece for you. I also think it's important for the PUC to document your history of funding the first two years of your CIP with past appropriations. I don't disagree with the idea, but I think it's important to show that more proactively to the public because it can create the the feeling that you cannot deliver your program. And I think that's a risk that none of us want. So I think it's important to highlight that. And then lastly, um, the future wholesale water customers. Volumes that are in your financial planning documents. Um, Those differ from the demand projections that Bosca does. We've talked about this in the past. Our demand projections are based on adopted land use policies, practices in compliance with state law, in compliance with regulatory requirements, arena housing, all of those things. Uh, We go through a very rigorous process to do that. Your financial department's projections are done for a different purpose I think it's important to cite that source so it's very clear where that comes from so that it's, there's no confusion about what assumptions are being made for your financial planning purposes thank you very much
0: thank you are there any more folks in the house for public comment seeing none do we have anybody on the remote queue Donna
1: no we had no remote uh, comments today. No
0: requests for uh, public comment on no. the remote crew. So public comment is now over. Are there any other comments or that the commissioners would like to make? Thank you. So I'd like to, Donna, could you call the final mm-hmm. item?
1: Uh, we have a motion to continue the meeting to a special meeting for Friday, February
0: 2nd. Is there a motion and second to continue?
5: Motion to continue. Second. Roll call,
1: please. President Paulson?
5: Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye.
1: Commissioner Jeremy Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. And you have five ayes.
0: Ayes. We will adjourn until next Friday at 9 a.m.
1: And we will be in room 416. we will be in,
0: in room 4? Four. 416. 416. Not this room, but 416 down the hall. Thank yes. you.